We are ready to rock, Phil. Three, two, one, go. Man, I even got my chocolate milk here ready to go. Oh, look at you go. Did you did you make the chocolate milk yourself? No, no. I, I go to Costco and get the get the good stuff. This tastes so like you, melted you know chocolate how, uh, ice cream. Do you know how they choose which milk to make into chocolate milk? Uh, probably from the brown cows. <laughs> no, it's the, the cows that have such... It's from the cows that have such bloody milk and discolored that it won't bleach white, so they just make it into chocolate. That's this why is... it's always a little creamier, too. That's from the Jersey cows. That's from the Jersey cows. Drinking the hussy, <laughs> the the hussy milk. bloody milk. The, uh, fucking, the nah, milk. this one's like organic and stuff. It's good. Hey, blood's Ooh. pretty organic. I don't mind. I just had a juicy <laughs> rare steak, so I'm all hey, for it. There you go. All right, yeah. everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Forging Brains Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Patrick, my co-host, Gavin Cooper. Uh, today we got a cool guest. This guy, his name's been pretty much all over for a while now, uh, Stan Mullins. He's been winning some stuff. You might have heard of him. <laughs> Quite a bit Maybe. of stuff. Yeah, thanks yeah, for joining us, Stan. No worries, no worries. Yeah, it's good to be on here. So I, I thought it was funny. I've been meaning to ask you, like, uh, do you do you claim yourself as an American or a New Zealand still? Well, it's funny that because uh, Christine uh, asked me if I wanted to fly the New Zealand flag or the American flag at Spruce. That's why and I was asking. I, I was like, you know, like I'm a permanent resident of America. I'm on a American national shooting team, which is like cool. Um, not yet a citizen, so I, I still bleed New Zealand. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Like even yeah. Andy Reader, you know, he's flying the New Zealand flag, and he's lived in England for you know, I don't know, thirty years. Years. Yep. So it's it's one of those things that it's a hard question. Like I've I've got two American flags on my property. Um, like I. I I, I would say I'm about as American as it gets, but yeah. I'm still still a proud Kiwi, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, how, you were, what, 17 when you came over here the first time? Well, it's 16 when 16. I first got over here, yeah. Yeah, and that was when you came over to go to school in Kentucky, right? Yeah, yeah, Kentucky Horseshoe in school. They let a little immigrant come in, go to their program. Well, and how old are you now? Uh, shoot, that was 10 years ago, so I'm 26. Shit. Man, yeah. it's, it seems a lot longer than 10 years ago, at least to me. Like, yeah, yeah. time flies. Time, time always throws me out. I feel like I've done, I've done a good amount in 10 years, and then every now and then I feel bad for myself, like, ah, oh, man, maybe I should be further, you know what I mean? But, uh... <laughs> Uh, when, you, I just, when you got a Troy uh, Woods on your team, and he's like, he's three years in, you're like, yeah, oh, it's, okay. <laughs> it, that's such a hard thing, you know what I mean? And, and it's good things and bad things for coming, like, forward so fast. Like, yeah. I mean, when I was in 2017, I was three years in, and I was placing, you know, I was tying with Tom Peterson at, you know, 2017 Vegas, for a first for a WCB, mm-hmm. um, coming second in Sheridan 2017 and the uh, individual class, I think that was. Uh, 
So, like, it's it's a hard thing to say, like, oh, it's, yeah, it's one of those things of, like, there's always one person that's going to be like Troy Wood or, you know, like, yeah. Dylan or me. Like, there's, it's, it's a funny thing that, like, and it's cool that Troy's on the team because he's going to be, like, a freaking badass in five years if he sticks with it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, not saying he's not going to stick with it, but, like... Right. You never know. Some people kind of come on real heavier than peter off a little bit. So it'll yeah. be interesting yeah. to see if, uh, you know, how long he, like, keeps up with the top level, you know, keep on going. Because a lot of guys, like, there's not too many people like Chris Madrid that, like, bash it for freaking 15 years, you know? Yep. I mean, that's you just know, hard to... It's really, it's really hard. Hard yeah. to gauge your own success against other people's success as well, where they're at in their stage of their career. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those and like I it was funny cuz like I've I've kind of st- stunted myself in ways where I moved back to New Zealand for a couple years from 20 I, I was there for 2018 and 2019. Um so that kind of like not necessarily halted my progress, but it uh it changed it changed things. You know what I mean? You you go away, you're not in the routine of competing five times a year minimum uh you you'll show up to local contests in new zealand and whatnot like that but it's like it's different you know and obviously i went to stonely in 2019 which is badass i mean that was cool because that's been a while since i've been to you know stonely but it'd be cool to be able to get over there again maybe on the aft um Mm -hmm. which i thankfully just found out that i can go on to because i am a permanent resident um so they they allow that uh so that's a goal but uh yeah it's one of those things like you know i I spent two years back home and then i've been here back for three years did Um, you have to go back for like visa reasons yeah yeah like uh it's not a very easy thing like uh it's kind of one of those it's the worst thing about coming over here is the immigration side of things is it's just you know tough not as easy as jumping the border no, and everyone wants to say, you know, you just marry somebody and you're good. Um, but it's, it's not even works. that easy, you know, like, it's one of those things. But, yeah. What all did you have to do to get, like, if you don't, like, mind going through, like, how, what did you have to do? Oh, so, well, I had to, I picked out a pretty beautiful lady, so she, that was one of the parts <laughs> to it. Um, <laughs> she said, come on back and I'll, I'll kind of sponsor you a little bit, uh, you know, green card. So we got married. Uh, so when when I, I'll start back from the from the start. So back in twenty uh, end of twenty seventeen, I left twenty seventeen December. Hell, she was still in high school. So I was younger. She was younger. You know what I mean? Where it was just that awkward stage of like, where do you go from here? So yeah. I went back home for a couple of years, got some crap sorted out, saved some money. Um, and then moved back over. We got married in 2020 and then applied for the green card through marital status. Um, spent $7,500 applying for that. And then... Holy shit. That took about six months to six to eight months to go through. And then uh, we went in for an interview, passed with flying colors. That was the easiest test I've ever done. Um <laughs> But uh, it was kind of cool because the guy was like a ex uh, 
interrogator for the military and like he's been on the border for like five years and he's just moved to Louisville. So he was he's like, Yeah, I pretty much know you're telling the truth. As yeah. soon as you open your mouth and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, luckily we're telling the truth. Yeah. Um so we jumped through there flying colours and then uh they gave us two and a half years because we weren't married for two years before we went for the the green card. So then they gave us the two and a half years or two years or something. And we had to reapply to take the conditions off uh, to get the full 10 years out of the green card. So we paid another three and a half grand there. Um, so now we're a little over 10 grand in and we're still waiting on like finalizing that uh, 10 year visa or green card so when you like would you fly over and they ask you at the like you know the customs booth yeah. and they're like what are you coming here for you're like to marry a lady well that would be or a quick way like, not or to you're just in. like i'm going on vacation no so i come in on a i had a extraordinary ability visa um that was expiring within three months of me getting in here uh, so I come in okay. on a visa that would allow me to change it to a green card. You can't, you can't even change a green card or a, a normal visa to a green card or a travel visa to a green card. You have to leave the country to do that. So my visa allowed me to change it to a green card while in the States. Because okay. it was expiring? Uh, no, just because of the level of the visa. It allows you to like swatch, swap it over to a green card. It was it was a visa that lasts longer than yeah like, yeah it was a three year visa. They're like three years. The, the likelihood of you meeting somebody and wanting to stay here is pretty high. So we'll, we'll <laughs> that's that one of those there. things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like this happens all the time. Yeah, I didn't realize how expensive it was. Yeah, no, it's it's not the cheapest thing I've well, ever is done. It, is it like really? Is it fees that the government charges you or is it like attorney fees well i did hire a really really good lawyer um and that helps obviously because like you can do it yourself but if you mess it up you have to reapply 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 and every time you reapply it's six hundred dollars i see so if you mess up one word two words you know what i mean you're reapplying so it's i might have paid maybe even you know like doubled my fees but there was never a question, you know. My lawyer also did Nigel Fennell. Uh, is doing Matt Fennell as well. Um, so, okay. you know, like... <laughs> this guy, he's, yeah. like, he's just known in the whole world. Like, do you want to go to America? I got a yeah. guy. Yeah. I got a so, guy. So, do you, do you get, like, a little commission off of him? Like, every person you send to him? Uh, uh, what? Get a little kickback? She's actually... Uh, well, she's a she... Um, but she's a, she's a niece of Sarah Taylor at the Shewin School. So she hooked me up early on with that. I got the, my, my extraordinary ability visa through her. Um, and then, then Sarah passed it to Nigel. Then I passed it to Matt. Um, Matt was having a hard time and yeah, she helped him out within, you know, a week. So there's, uh, you know, like it's, it's a good thing to have good lawyers and, you know, people that actually know what they're doing. I'm quite a firm believer on like supporting trades too. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things. If she knows what she's doing, I'm going to pay her to do it. Yeah, uh, that's, 
That's how you make your money. Yeah, I might as well go shoot horses and she can fill out the paperwork. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I didn't obviously finish high school, so. <laughs> you did it. You, you left before finishing. I was just thinking you finished early. Like, yeah, well, I was, I was put up in year, I skipped year two. Um, so I did technically uh, 11 years. So I guess, yeah, I was young anyway. Then I left. You could leave when you were 16. I was in my last year. I stayed for athletics day in school camp and did all the fun things and then got out of there. What? What made you want to come to America, like, like, or be a horse? Like, I knew you grew up with horses, so like the horseman yeah. part makes some sense. But like, why go to America to do it? Well, um, it was a we well, yeah, my my parents own a horse breeding farm, uh, sport horses over in New Zealand. They got about fifty horses between warm bloods and little Connemara ponies, one of the best ponies in the world. Um, but uh, yeah, so they have like 50 horses there, so they were like, you know, not, it wasn't really their idea. Our farrier was actually just needing help, so I went and helped him through the weekend and went to the West Coast and shopped with him. Uh, his name's Ross Smith, and then he, he ended up moving to Australia, um, so then we lost our horseshoer, and then it just becomes harder and harder when you lose horseshoers in the area to get a, another one back, you know what I mean? Um, my dad always trimmed, always trimmed our, our mop, um, but we always had a farrier shoe them. Uh, Do you call it a mop? Mob. A mob? Mob of horses, yeah. A mob, mob of horses. Yeah, like a That's herd, smitty. but a mob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you trim the mob. Yeah, the gangsters, you know. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they always did that. So I, I started shoeing when I was like, or I guess clinching and finishing when I was like 15, maybe 14, 15. Um, and then, uh, it just became hard to get a ferry and I was kind of enjoying it, you know what I mean? And my guy left and then he hooked me up with a couple other locals. So then I, uh, continued down that path of trying to find, you know, what's my next step, what's my next step. So I, uh, I just couldn't, you know, I, it was hard to, apprentices, apprenticeship is one of those things is like, Unless you're with the right guy, you're really just making the money. And if you you don't really see their face till the end of the day on the way home, then you're not really learning anything. You're just figuring stuff out on your own. And mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily think that that's like the best way to learn. Um, so I decided to, you know, try and locate a good place to go. And England was obviously high on the list. And then I found out America's got a bunch of schools. Australia has had nothing at the time. I think there's one or two over there now, uh, but they didn't have anything over there. So it was either four years in England or moved to America, and then I picked the longest one I could because obviously, you know, time is inevitable. You know, you're going to learn more and more time. It's just inevitable. Right. Um, so I picked the longest course, obviously, up in uh, Kentucky, nine months, and... Uh, I got recommended that also by uh, Rodney King. He used to work at uh, Rune and Riddle here in Lexington. Um, and he moved back to New Zealand probably early, you know, teens. 
uh, like 2011, 2012 or something like that. So he recommended coming over to Kentucky because they had the same hoof uh, you know, like the same breeds, like a lot of thoroughbreds and stuff that we would normally see in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Like Oklahoma, we don't really have quarter horses, so there's no point going to Oklahoma and shooting quarter horses. Yeah. Um, we don't have them, so there's no point doing that. You think so. if uh, the school in Walla Walla was still around, it was a two-year program, you think you would have picked that because it was two years? Yeah, it's funny. Like Every time I Googled, Horseshoeing school, horseshoeing school. It, you know, you find a different freaking horseshoeing school. So Every then time. you're like, you read another horseshoeing school. You're like, and I was like, oh, so I was did bound and determined. I was going to Oklahoma. You know what I mean? And then like, I swear, like two weeks before I like pulled the plug on school and did that. You know, like I looked up, oh, there's Kentucky horseshoeing school. You know, and I think Rodney helped me to that. But like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know about Walla Walla. You know, I heard a podcast of you talking about you went to a Walla Walla or whatever and I was like well where the hell is Walla Walla you know what I mean so like <laughs> I didn't even know about it and like yeah. you always hear of like new ones popping up and it's just oh, like yeah. huh you know so I suppose it's, it's kind of one of those things but maybe in 2017 I think it was still around so is that oh, that's yeah. when you well, went, went to school over here yeah 2014 14, oh 14 yeah. oh so it was definitely still around then yeah yeah I guess shoot maybe I come over here yeah, it was 10 years ago, but it was 2014. So, yeah, 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 yeah. We're it's on so funny track. sometimes, like, when you talk to people of how, what a simple thing it came down to for, for them to choose that shoe-in school that they're going to go to. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it comes down, like, I, I called Kentucky and I called Heartland, and Chris called me back first. Yeah. That's yeah. what it came down to. It's just like, well, I guess I'm going here. Like, yeah. You t- like for you, it was just simple enough. Like, oh well, this one seems the longest, and this guy recommended it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head this way. Yeah, and I probably might have like, uh, it's one of those things. I probably would have come and visited the schools before, you know, moving over here and making that decision if I lived over here. But like, it's one of those, so yeah, tough. It's a long journey. So like, it was actually a funny story when I when I first moved over here because I was 16. You can't even, uh, you can't rent a car, you can't yeah. book a hotel room by yourself. So I, I actually flew over here, you know, never been out of the country by myself. So I flew over here by myself, obviously. Um, and I flew into LA and I had like a night of, uh, a night off, you know. So I, I got a shuttle, went to my hotel, and it was the only hotel in like the area that would accept like cash for the room. Because no other nice hotels would take a 16-year-old kid. So I went not. to this dodgy, dodgy-ass area. <laughs> they rented uh, by the hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the door, had been kicked, the door had been kicked in three times. I sent mom a picture of my, my door, and she's like, oh, my God, is that your room? And I was like, yep. <laughs> you know, Wi-Fi wasn't working. I couldn't contact anyone. So I had to, I went, walked all the way down to this Walmart, brought a phone, put some money on it and called home said hey i made it um, <laughs> shit. You know, like so you, it was, looked, you looked like such a trafficker at this point you yeah. just came over out of country went to the fucking worst hotel there probably <laughs> yeah. has a jug of lotion and like a bowl of condoms on the nightstand <laughs> no bible and like and then you went and bought a track phone as soon as yeah, you got burner there. yeah you went yeah. and bought a burner <laughs> yeah it was it was funny though because i i I went out, I went down to McDonald's, I'd come back to the hotel, went out again, right as it was turning like dusk, 
and this black guy stopped me as I was like halfway down the road and he said son you better go back to your room or wherever you <laughs> came from and I said what do you mean he go I'm just going down here to have a look he said no I don't think you understand you need to go back to where you came from as soon as these lights turn on you're ours kind of thing and I was looking at these guys sitting on the hood of this you know Impala and I'm like maybe he's right so I hightailed <laughs> it back to the room and you know oh my tucked god in for the night it was fun it was fun. It was a great yeah. time. Yeah. Eye-opening experience there. So yeah. This is America. This is. This is yeah. Kind of like a movie, you know. We're about to get jumped. What's that? Yeah. Twenty-one Jump Street. Yeah. 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 Straight out of Compton. <laughs> like I remember talking to to Andy Reeder Smith, and he's told me that like New Zealand's kind of like uh, America's little sister, anyways. He says like everybody like for the majority like. New Zealand likes wearing American styles, like oh, big yeah. trucks and hot rods and cowboy stuff. Yeah, fun fact for everyone, New Zealand has the highest muscle car per capita of anyone in the world. So, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, but is it that? Is there like five thousand of them because there's just a thousand people? Ah. Uh. Like, no, is that why? Is I would say there? I would <laughs> say more. There's four point six million people there. Um, but so like I mean even if you said every one in five person had a muscle car so that means like every like 10 cars you see on the road you could see a muscle car so are cars in New Zealand are they right hand drive or left hand drive like here yeah right hand drive oh so they're the muscle cars are they left hand drive or they yeah yeah oh so they've been imported yeah anything 20 years or older is called a classic so you can leave it left-hand drive um all the all the muscle cars that come from australia like the uh the gt whatever you know there's some, like a there's some or something no they were i can't even remember what they were called i mean off the top of my head but the australia made a few muscle cars like the falcons and stuff like okay. they made um so they were all right-hand drive, and every now and then you'll see them, and they're worth you know like upwards of 150, 200 thousand now because they're all crushed or written off from doing stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone then had to import the American cars. So yeah, it was actually kind of funny because uh, my grandfather's just got into collecting muscle cars, and he's probably got like 15 or 20 like old American muscle That's cars nice. and stuff like he's got f-150 lightning and stuff like that that he like commutes with so that's kind of funny you got any muscle cars yourself <laughs> no nah, nah, i don't have any money old, <laughs> i think they're 20 no, years they're old right 20 years old yeah yeah, yeah. It, uh, man i guess like i think my truck's almost 20 years old yeah two years it'll be 20 years old yeah yeah, tr- yeah classic yeah but the funny rule like any like i had a super duty 05 super duty over there but if over four and a half ton or whatever you have to convert it because of the you know the possibility of you hauling weight with it is scarier if you're driving on the wrong side of the road yeah because in order to pass with the left hand drive car in new zealand you either have to have a passenger or you have to look on the outside of the car look around from the outside to pass so it's kind of one of those sketchy things yeah yeah was it a hard adjustment 
uh, going from driving on the right side when you came to the United States? Well, to be honest, I only had my license for like a year, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but I, I, you know, I, I grew up driving stick left hand, you know what I mean? Shifting with the left hand. Um, so like that was probably the biggest thing. Like I, I jumped in a manual and the guy was like, this is your first time driving? I'm like, yeah. He said, you can drive manual, right? I'm like, hell yeah. You know, I get in, I shift from fifth to freaking third <laughs> or something. Like I, I completely go like, just didn't have the feeling for it. You know what I mean? Like it's just backwards. Yeah. It was just weird. So just forced it. Just like, yeah. this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Freaking going 60 down. Yeah. It was, yeah. I think I went forced to third rather than fifth. Yeah. Going onto the highway for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the yeah. power. <laughs> Yeah, lucky it was a light truck because it locked so up the wheels. Did you, did you have this like image in your head of what America was going to be like? And yeah, it didn't really like... disappoint. What's up, guys? Going to take a little minute to talk about some of our sponsors for the show. One of the largest ferry supply stores in the world is stepping up for Forging Brains podcast to help you guys by sending you on your way with a cool gift when you use the code BRAINS at checkout. Wellshod carries so many different supplies throughout their warehouse that, honestly, we could probably do a whole podcast just talking about all the different supplies, tools, anvils, all sorts of products that they carry throughout their warehouse. It's insane. If you guys haven't been there, you should put it on the list to go check them out just to go see them, but also to go buy some stuff too. Their recent products they've been making in-house is anvils they're producing the scott anvils as well as the new scott eden's 200 pound anvil i believe they've also been doing the cliff carroll anvils for some time as well and john harshbarger talked about that in his episode previously on forging brains podcast so when you guys go to order with wellshod either online or on the telephone use code brains They'll hook you up with a free product in your order. A little surprise, surprise gift. We're happy to be working with Wellshod because they are invested in this trade, the same as the rest of us, and not just there for profits and money. Plus, I don't know how you can beat that $10 flat shipping they always have. Like, that's insane. You can't get a better deal than that. So either call them up on the telephone or go online at www.wellshod.com. And when you go to check out on your order, use the code BRAINS, and they'll hook you up with something cool in your order. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about working with Wellshot. This is going to be great. Let's take a minute and talk about another one of our sponsors, Farrier Box. I know you guys probably don't need that Christmas morning feel in the middle of the summer no more, but let's talk about how the subscription base service sets you up with the best of the best products each time you receive their box. Everything they send out is tested and used by elite farriers so it gets that stamp of approval every time it reaches your doorstep. I don't think there's anything else going on out there in the farrier world that's quite like farrier box at the moment so when you can get products each month every other month I guess that you're on the fence about getting They'll send it to you, and you'll have it at your disposal. Plus, you know, it's going to be handy stuff, so stuff that you're going to use. There's not something I've had that I haven't used yet, but to get a discount, use code BRAINS for 25% off your first month's order. And that's a pretty good deal if you ask me. Let's get back to it.
I was gonna say, was that just crushed that first night in LA? <laughs> like, no, I think that was like legit. Like, all right. I, okay. I mean, I've watched the movies. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen all this kind of gangster stuff. Like, you know, I, I think I'm a 16 year old, you know, little punk kid that it's kind of see some stuff. But uh, yes. no, I think I think America's definitely definitely uh, exceeded expectations. Like. You know, like, it was funny because, like I said, my wife was uh, in high school when I was, like, first over here, you know? And, like, when we got together, she was still in high school. So I went to, like, the football games in high school and, like, the marching band and stuff like that. So it was kind of classic because you see that on the movies and then you come over here and you're, like, sitting there like, this would have been epic if I was a kid, you know what I mean? Like, if I grew up with this stuff, I feel like it would have been, like, pretty badass. Friday Night Lights, man. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. Thing. It's just you cool. Were gonna, you were going. Even if you didn't play on the football teams, it was still yeah. still an event. Like, yeah. I always is showed rugby, up with my leather jacket on. And, is yeah. rugby the sport over in New Zealand then? Yeah, yeah. I played rugby for, well, my I always rode horses, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I played uh, rugby for my school, and then we had club rugby on the weekends. Um, so every Wednesday... Uh, we would play rugby in town and we'd play like the local high schools or whatnot. Um, so it would normally get through the, through the winter, I believe that was. Um, and then I rode horses on the weekends. And then, uh, my, all my buddies called, kind of called me out. They're like, oh, you're pretty good. You know, come out and play on the weekends. And I'm like, well, I, you know, it's hard to do everything. You got Tuesday thursday practice for rugby and you ride every day of the week to go to the horse show on sunday and then you you know you go to play rugby on saturday so i was kind of like it's a lot you know and and it ended up doing it for a couple years before i moved um but yeah rugby was a big thing because what type of horse you said you guys had warm blood so like what what type of showing were you doing with them uh three day eventing yeah okay yeah, and did so. your your family was going to all the shows anyways too? So it probably it wasn't like they were to haul into the shows just to haul you there. No, I had two sisters that did it too. Um, I think most of the time, like in my later years before I moved over here, I had two horses going. So we had we normally had five horses going every Sunday. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so that's a herd. That was, that's a mob. It's a mob, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was a good lifestyle. You know, we kept busy and, you know, late nights and kind of develop work ethic a little early on, you know. Do you oh, foresee yeah. yourself still uh, wanting to go to event shows and showing over here in the U.S.? No. No. No, I, I don't. <laughs> That's it. It was funny wrote. because, like, you know, I, I like to be decent at anything I do, but, like, I, I, I like to be good at the – the three day eventing and I think you have to put too much time into one thing to be good at it so like I'm not a half aster so yeah. it's hard to say I don't want to do it right now because I don't have the time yeah mm-hmm. but you know this is one of those things that like if you can't do it properly then like just don't do it I don't yeah. think you know that's just me then you could no, be I like mean, all like, the horse owners yeah if you're going to do three day eventing for real you can't shoot horses either well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and like America is different because like we would go to, we could go to a, every weekend we could be at one and not drive 45 to an hour away from the house, you know, 
Through the, that's not through too bad. the winter. No, yeah. no, you couldn't do that over here. You'd have two events in Lexington, maybe three, and you, and and then you got to go where? You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I'm not don't really follow it, but it's just like it. one of those things. Well, you got to have a bunch of money too, and like I just paid ten grand for a green card just to be here. So <laughs> yeah, got, don't got more money for horses at that point. Yeah, gotta go to work, man. <laughs> gotta, gotta go to work. <laughs> gotta stay under those horses. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Uh, maybe one day I'd like to get back into it. Maybe. So you went you went from LA and then the next day headed to Kentucky then, huh? Yeah, yeah. We got picked up in Lexington and I think I had a couple of days to acclimatize. I think I woke up the next day at like three in the afternoon and Mitch Taylor was on the roof cleaning out gutters in his underwear because he said he had more traction with his bare skin on the roof than jeans, so that was kind of a funny Good experience. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, really. Like, yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's jeans you know, are slippery. Jeans are slippery. So if you lay down on your side cleaning gutters, then you might as well, you know. God some shorts, dang. Some shorts would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between shorts and undies? About Not much. <laughs> About three inches and one more layer of protection. Yeah. Like I don't even care for everybody else's protection. I was thinking for my my own protection. <laughs> so did you guys drive all the way from L.A. to Kentucky then? No. Or did you fly no. from there? Oh, I couldn't rent a car, so I had to fly. Oh, you had to fly. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. pretty far. It's a three day drive. Yeah, it's a chunk. Yeah, three days full-time drive, probably. Yeah. So then, like, had you done any foraging before you went to school? Uh, my one mentor, most of the guys I worked with after the, my first guy, Ross, um, was cold shoeing, like standard breads and stuff. Um, so Ross would hot shoe, um, and he had me flatten shoes. Uh, I think he had me, like can't remember if he ever had me like do anything crazy i think it was just level out a shoe every now and then or i don't think i really got into much of anything i shaped a couple shoes to a horse you know like every now i shot my own horse a couple times you know because why wouldn't you you know might as well cripple yeah. the thing um <laughs> but uh no that's when i really realized that i just need to head somewhere learn okay. did you instantly fall in love with the forging at school I did a lot of it. I, I, I'm kind of a good like copycat. Like if if you show me something, I'll go work on it until it looks right. Mm-hmm. My problem is like I can't really not make it look right. Like it has to like if it's going south, like I'll just not necessarily abandon shit. But like if you show me a I don't know like a heel and it's not this doesn't look right, then I'll keep making it until it looks right. So like. That's one of those things that I, I don't understand a lot of times when people don't see, like, well, clearly it doesn't look the same, so why are you, you know, why Continuing. not make it look the same? You know, like, it's just funny. But, yeah, so, like, I did enjoy forging quite a lot. Like, it's a kind of a, it's a challenge. I think I like a challenge. Yeah. So it, did, didn't, it didn't necessarily come easy to you, though. Uh, like, the, like the de- you could see it. 
But like, still, everybody when they first start forging is like you're fumbling with the tongs, the hammers, and stuff like that. Was <sighs> that's a hard thing for me to say. Like, um, I would say I did have a quite a natural start. Um, I've heard people show me something. I'll go do it for the first time, coming back, and they'll be like, well, "That's better than what I showed you." Like, yeah, you know, like oh sorry you know like i i kind of like i'll say this and i don't want to be too too down this track but like i started shoeing school um there was me and another guy he ended up quitting after two weeks um and i finished the first 12 weeks and six weeks and then i moved to the sixth the into the next class and i'd finished that curriculum in six weeks of the middle semester mm -hmm. and so I was in when I started my uh, like my second track of 12 weeks or whatever um, I was in the advanced semester so I graduated the nine months and six months um, and they had to do an extra curriculum for me that they never done so I did I basically did three months extra on top of the normal nine month program that they just yeah, customized curriculum. to me. Um, so I, I did my passing examination. I think I did a three hour go three quarter full all the way around on a horse. Um, was this at the six month mark or at the end of the nine month? This was at the end of the nine. So normally okay. it's plain stamp. Uh, I think it was plain stamp Heinz and, three-quarter fronts and I don't know it, it, it that was just a completely customized thing for me um and I think two other guys stayed uh stayed back with me to do an extra three months because they wanted to they're like oh shoot he's getting extra we'll just pay a little bit more and then we'll get extra with him so that was kind of cool so I wasn't like completely alone doing that yeah. kind of crap Dang, overachiever. Was, was Sam was Sam good <laughs> yeah. in your your teacher through most of it? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yep, learned a lot. Yeah, super handy guy. He's yeah. easy to learn from. Like, yeah, it's a very good teacher. Do you do you think that had a lot to do with it then, of like how simple it was for you to like move on? Because Sam was just easy to feed off of, and and Sam's able to show you things. You know, like yeah. Good like uh, I mean, like that's why I say, like you know, every now and then I would just be alone because I was the only one in my class. So he would go bugger off to the middle, middle guys, because it's like beginner, middle, advanced. Um, so he would just go spend the day with the middle guys and like leave me in the back corner, which is sweet for me because I'll just you give me something, I'll work on it. You know, he'd give me something else, I'll go work on it. Like it's just. I just figure out stuff that way. Um, so I guess it worked for both of us because I wasn't, you know, in the way. Um, yeah. Just working on my own stuff. Do you so, think that still kind of transpires in your shoemaking to this day? Like, if you're kind of having, like, a hard time understanding something, do you kind of want somebody to show you it? Or are you just able to uh, figure that out now since you're kind of at where you're at? Um. That's a funny thing because, you know, we're working at the spruce shoes right now. Um, and that, that weird thing of like using imperial or. Um, oh, the metric. 
Metric steel versus Imperial, you know, making a roadster out of 14 and a quarter inches and you're like, this doesn't look anything like the shoe. You know what I mean? So then <laughs> you're just like, you're throwing bar stock down on the ground like this does just not look right. This does not look right. You start cutting some off and you're like, all right, there I can see it now. You know what I mean? But it's just like, I, I guess it is fun. Like, like I went out to Dylan's this last weekend and we made a, we went a few runs and made a bunch of shoes. Um, and you go through that learning stage of the shoes. But I do say if I just sit in the forge for, you know, this past week, I haven't worked at all. I worked Monday, I showed like seven head. And then, you know, I had every other day off. So I just sat in the forge. Well, not all day because it was freaking hot. But, uh, you know, I'd get up and I'd make, I'd make all the shoes in the morning, so I'd make eight shoes in the morning, and then I would pick out the worst ones, and I'd make them in the evening, when it cooled mm -hmm. off a bit. Um, and I just go through the shoes and pick them out. What 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 are my worst ones? So I kind of focus on the nice easy ones at the start, and makes boost up your confidence, and then you jump into the ugly ones, and you work on them for a while, and then you get back to the easy ones, turn everything up together. Mm -hmm. kind of how I do that but it's just one of those things of just kind of no one's going to show me you know like no one's going to be help help me do something if I can't see it you have to be able to see it before you can do it so it's yeah. one of those things of like sometimes you got to like embrace the suck until you kind of see where you're going and then you're like ah okay and obviously yeah. tips and tricks along the way, like don't do that, don't do this, is super awesome, but, you know. A lot of things you know, will transpire. It yeah. sounds like, like you've always been able to see things. Like So when you look at a specimen list, you're like, okay, this is what it all looks like. But <clears throat> obviously there's still times, like what you're saying, it's like you just hit those moments, you're like, for some reason this isn't coming out, or that it's like... I'm not doing the right move here. Like it's not in the right spot or I didn't do like enough in this early stage for this late stage. Yeah. And so does it, it's, it's, is it easy to be in the shop because you know, it's not like, there's not a lot of frustration there. You know, you just have to work on it, huh? Yeah. I don't really get mad much. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things like, I'll, uh, what did I do today? That was silly. You know, like I, I've got so many boomerangs sitting on my floor right now where, like, I'll be making a a wedge on a shoe, you know, and I'm like, oh, didn't quite flip up enough. And you're you're only three heats in, so it's like, this is going to ruin the whole shoe. If I can't yeah. get past this stage, then why would I move on? You know what I mean? Like, I could learn something by continuing, but what am I learning? Am I learning something bad or good? That's one of those things where I have to, like, decide on, like, do I terminate this project now because I'm probably just going to ingrain something that's not right anyway? Or do I keep going? Just restart and focus yeah. on making it better from the beginning? Yeah, it's like it's like having a, I don't know, say like a bad bump, you know what I mean? Like the worst thing you can do in a go is quench off your steel in a horrible way and be like, oh, I'll fix it later it doesn't happen <laughs> why? why would you do that like how about you just put it in the fire for 20 seconds reheat it up quench it and you'll probably save yourself at least a minute trying to fix that later on 
Yeah. Or uh, never yeah. fix, never fix it at all. Oh, you will never fix it. No, yeah, bad bumps are bad. Like, yeah, it's like it'll <laughs> just never, never yeah. get fixed. Like I, I was that guy for like where I just like I would make toe bends and like, well, I'll just fix it later. It's like, eh, you won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you won't. If you do fix the toe, you're fucking something else up. Like it's gonna look like shit. Yeah. Chasing your tail. Uh, and it's, it's funny because like sometimes in the moment you're just like you don't even see things that you should be seeing. And that's why I think the basics are so important because if you don't have to think about it, you do it. So if you ingrain the basics and it kind of makes everything easy, easier. So what are, what are the basics to you? I think, uh, I struggle with this a lot and like I've, I've gone back and forth on things and different judges are different. Um, one of those things of like, I'm a front foot that's what I've been on for the last wee while, um, especially on the team. Mm-hmm. They just set me up there to struggle. So, like, you know, front feet have the most uh, distortion changes, effects. Uh, they have the most differences. Like, I, there's no there's no argument. Hinds don't have as many things. It's either the bends up here or the bends down there on the hinds. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. Um, fronts, you know, I mean... They got so many more things going on. Um, more shapes and opinions. Yeah, like the conformational problems that, because, you know, like a, a hind limb is only so much you can do. It's connected by bone, where a front's not connected by bone. So it could be so much, so many different ways. Okay. So, um, like, you know, you get a slightly higher foot that's, you know, it wants all the outside taken off of it. And once you take all the outside off, then your point of heel is way further back in the foot. Your medial is way pushed forward. Your toes pushed up with that heel. And then you got such an ugly shape, but it's balanced. And mm-hmm. it stands on it nicely. And you build a shoe to it, and it's ugly. You know what I mean? And it's like... So, like, my hard thing right now is, is how far do I push this each way of good horseshoeing and aesthetically pleasing? and trying to hit both both parameters so like i don't know like my biggest thing is like in the box shoeing right now which is like toenails dissecting heels center heels um same widths from apex of the frog to the toenail on the outside to the inside all those things that we consider in the box shoeing um is kind of what i've been focusing on at the moment and it's like yeah, it's a hard one. When you say apex of the frog for the toenails, are you measuring the length of your frog and then calipering for your toenails there, or did I misinterpret no, just, that wrong? Just the length from the apex to the medial toenail to the lateral toenail oh, to okay. make sure that it's kind of even. Mm-hmm. Aesthetically pleasing, they would say. Easier to fit, too. Like, yeah. It is. <laughs> like, if you can just put your heel, if you build your shoe right and you put your heels... Under, like you see the shoes all the time the guys build and their heels aren't underneath their toenails it's like yeah a, it's like it's not gonna go on a foot yeah yeah it's and it's just thing. the same thing as the toenails dissecting the bottom of the um the bottom of the web of the toe um and it's like oh well your toenails are too far back when well, it's maybe your toes too thick you know what i mean like if your toes punched inside your uh inside your toe from the heels coming up, then your toe's too thick. So that's like the easiest way to 
two stock dimensions, you know what I mean? Like if you map a foot out, you draw up from your buttress and you draw a line across that. You measure from the outside of your toe to the bottom of that line and you got your stock chosen for you. That's a good tip. Yeah. I hadn't heard that one before. Because yeah. it is hard when you're making some shoes where you're like, man, this toe seems very wide and I feel like I'm floating out here. Yeah. You know, like you don't know where to put them. And if you do put them, you got a big old toe in there and you put them all the way back, it's like, it doesn't look very, very good. No. There's... <laughs> North Carolina, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to put a toe in here. It's like, yeah, that wasn't toe. good. <laughs> like, don't worry about the there. clip. Yeah, it's in there, but it's not very, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think Craig said it the best, like, you know, the, you know, Beanie's one of the guys that just, you know, enforced a freaking nice, sweet toe, and then, you know, it can go here or there from that. It's just like Chinese whispers, you know. But, like, I think Craig, Craig said it the best, is that your toenail on your lateral side wants to be the same as your heel, and... If it's if it's less or more, then it's either a toe weight. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it is what it is. Um, I think like everyone's gonna get maybe I don't know about the shock, but uh, yeah, I think spruce is gonna be pretty basic. You know, like nice flowing sections, um, parallel lines, all that stuff. You know, like we got two amazing horseshoes going to judge us. So it's 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 I think all the all the fancy fancy bollocks is going to get put aside pretty quick well, yeah and I, I think it's going to be pretty basic because they're judging shoes that they didn't make you just yeah it's it's you just got to make the specimens yeah that's the right. and they're, that's they're the looking at the spec they're looking at these specimens with no defense with them yeah so if you've judged something you've made the specimen and someone coming up and uh asks you a question about it you kind of have to be ready to answer that question of like defend it like this yeah. is why i did this yeah this is why this shoe's built this way we're there they really don't have to defend the shoes at all no they just say build it build it exactly like this yep. yeah and that's i think that's the hardest thing in like a lot of a lot of past times you've you've seen shoes made and they're like oh you could make it a little better and it's like well what does that mean you know what i mean did you not want it racked like what? What are you? What are you telling me? Like you want to see it square? What are you talking about? Like, like that's the hardest thing. But if they just say, build it identical to the specimen and the shoe that looks identical to the specimen, floors, all that kind of stuff, maybe it wasn't a floor. Maybe it was intentional. Like uh, Craig was talking about the lateral clip on the square toe. Like it's dropped down on the lateral side. He said it's a flare. Like it's it's a it's a French uh, design. Like they they want that. Hmm. So everyone sees it as a floor, but maybe it's not. I don't think it is. It's I not. That, it's not that shoe. Yeah, I don't like me when I look at that shoe. It's like that looks very intentional. Well, how could you like, screw it up that bad? Yeah, you I know mean, what I mean. Like that's just you've seen yeah. some shoes on Facebook, yeah. man. <laughs> like it can happen. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but like I mean, the, it's it's a nice shoe. So there's no way that yeah. a talented farrier made that shoe and didn't do it intentionally. Yeah, that's that's what I think. The coolest thing about this Bruce Meadows list is it's very like everybody always wants to talk about this traditional and everything like that. Like that shoe that shoe list is very traditional to the whole world. Of like it's yeah. each cor- it's each corner's traditional shoeing and their values in it 
and how they're supposed to be made. Like it's yeah, super, it's cool. Super interesting. Yeah, well, it's I one of those ways of tying the world to a contest. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it would have been pretty boring if it was just American-made shoes everywhere. You know, I'd be like, well, that's you know, like it's not a world contest. It's like it's like world horse showing in, in America. It's like or world like the NBA World Finals or something, you know what I mean? It's like, well, that's only held in America. It never left America. So how is it world, you know what I mean? But I think this is a true world contest because just like it used to be, it's, it's got international judges, it's got international shoes. It's, you know, it's cool. No, I, th- I think it's going to be a great thing. And so no, your normal practices for, like, say, WCB... I know, like, I think it was the last one. You did pretty good there. And I, I messaged you and talked about it. You are like, well, I didn't even practice that much. Because, like, you've been – and I don't want to say that, like, oh, you can just not practice and go. You're at a certain level where you don't have to just, like, gruel it out. You just kind of had to figure them out. And yeah. Go. Well, it, it's one of those things. Like, I've, I've been pretty fortunate. I think I have won the last three WCBs, which is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. Like – it's 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 a cool thing like yeah i think yeah and like the last one the uh, we'll start with madison like that was a shoeless you had kind of had to build a few times because the shoes were no longer original stock thickness width or anything you know i mean they were they were specially forged to be that shoe Mm -hmm. and you had to figure out how to get it there some way and luckily for me, it was a big heading contest because you know, these shoes were taken from three eighths to almost a quarter. So that's and you can that's hit a hard. bonus bonus <laughs> for me. Um, so that was good. Um, and then you go to Andrews, and uh, he kind of like left them original stock thickness. So it's like you cut twelve inches of three eighths to a corner, you turn it, it's going to be the same size. So like it, it was kind of a little bit. I don't know. It was just a little bit less figuring out you just had to learn to build the shoes that was cool i mean like uh, it was it was kind of crazy i uh, i don't know if i told you but i like i don't know i won the five shoes that were there um so that was kind of a cool cool thing to be like is that the first time that you'd won all because you won the match play as well right (sighs) yeah i won the match play there which was cool i was well so in Madison, I won four out of five shoes, mm-hmm. um, and I was reserved in the match play against Chris. Um, and then that kind of, yeah. So I, I sort of had to do a little better than that. So I won the five shoes, and then I won the match play in Edgewood, which was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, hell yeah, That's sweet did man. You practice, did you practice the match play? No, I didn't. Fuck. <laughs> Look at this so guy. I, it was it was one of those things. So like, I I in Edgewood uh, twenty twenty one, I won two classes and came third in the show and lost the contest because uh, of match play. Just solely on match play, I didn't make it past day two. Um, so I lost. I think Chris got eight points on me on the last day or something that I didn't even. I didn't get nothing. So he just sailed on through, um, and I was like, ah. It's crazy how big of a difference just those few rounds of match play getting two points at a time. They help it's you out crazy. in the long run. Like, it's like if you get kicked out of match play, you might as well finish 12th in the class. 
That's the yeah. difference. Like, I think I got 16. Like, I didn't lose a round in match play, which was so awesome. Because um, especially from a guy that sucked at match play, like, two years ago. Um, so, like, I think we uh 16 points or something total just from the match play. Won eight yeah. rounds. So... Yeah, it's it's a lot of points. Like when you start, and like the same thing as Bruce is like it's going to be a big points game because uh, you got a five point spread, or I think it might be more. I think it's I think it's two points to fifth or sixth or something. So it's like a ten point spread from first to seventh. Yeah. Yep. So it's going to be a big points grab to grab any points you can in the top six placings. Um, it's going to be really hard to win the contest without being in the top six every day. What do you think about the short or the, like the fast shooting classes there? Like, is that kind of a tough versus going from like a 60 or 70 minute class? Yeah. I kind of felt fat and lazy there for a second when I did my first shooting go, I was like, there's 10 minutes cut off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it just really took away all the bull crap, you know, like just, you just, I mean, I, luckily I'm a naturally, quick forger um Mm -hmm. maybe it's the fact that like i don't know but like i can i can forge out shoes pretty quickly so that's nice um might might be the fact that you swing like a almost like a huge hammer (laughs) huge hands and all you're like that might help out a little bit (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's one yeah like it's it's one of those things that does like it's it's good to be able to move quickly and i i don't don't think like i think there's going to be a lot of handy 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 people there um hopefully the drawers are all similar like you know you don't get short feet long feet all that kind of stuff but that's gonna be the hardest thing for so many horses there's gonna be so many horses there um so the drawers are gonna really come down to i think like if you gotta like i think everyone's gonna be trying for a five to six minute trim that's what I was going to ask you is, do you kind of have it figured out how much time you can spend per foot trimming? Well, that's, that's the, well, you normally, well, hopefully I'll get to do some pairs. That'd be sweet. That'd be a goal to get to the top 10, top five, to do some pairs of feet. But mm-hmm. I think when everyone's in the same boat, you got five to six minutes to trim a foot. You're only going to get so much done. It's one of those things that no one's really going to stand out because if anyone does a stand out 10 minute trim, they're not going to get finished. So it's one of those things you get comparing apples to apples because everyone's got the same amount of time. Yeah, you're going to sacrifice one thing if you spend more time here. Yeah, there's there's just, you know, you you got so much time for fitting, so much time for building. It's just one of those things. Like I think 70 minutes, you would probably have better quality lower end guys, but I don't think the quality is going to change much from going from 70 to 60 for the top end. You know, like... It's it's not. Do you so have you been going at practice completely different for Spruce Meadows compared to what you've been practicing for WCPs? No, I've done it exactly the same, really. Like, well, I'll go go back to when you said like when I practiced for Edgewood. Um, I think I was in Greece the week before, like I had a week home. Um, so that was one of those things of like. I had to kind of like, I had to build with six shoes. I had to figure out six shoes. I think for Spruce, we have like 12, 
something like that, 10 or 12. Yeah, just um, that pool of shoes. Yeah, pull the shoes and stuff like that. So that's changed up a little bit of my normal go-to because I have to like pair up different shoes to each other. So it's been a little bit longer of a practice. Um, and since I brought this house and stuff like that, like my time's been spread a little differently than maybe previous times. You know what I mean? You got other stuff to do, not just show go home and forge you know like cause even though i it's a priority um it's one of those things trying to figure out the the twice as many shoes um so i've been it's it's a chaotic thing when you you I, what i normally do is i just cut you know all every single shoe twice and then i just pick out randomly and i throw them in a pile and i build those shoes together so if I don't have a horse, I'll practice the foot shoe and I'll practice the specimen and I'll knock it down to like 35 minutes and I'll run that go. Because you build those shoes together. So you can practice that. Um, mm -hmm. That's pretty, you know, you don't really leave that anvil when you're building those shoes. Um, and then the, the, the polar shoes, I kind of make every shoe singly for a while until I figure out what I'm doing. And then I'll run them in goes and then I'll just go back to doing them singly because... Once I know how to build them, I know I can build them in time. That's not a problem. It's just then trying to get that like last little bit out of the, every shoe. I think you can do it a little easier when you're not focusing on anything else too. Yeah. No, that's, that's probably, it seems like a good way of going about it. That you're just trying to get like the choreography. I always fuck this word up. You know what I mean? Like the plan of the dance. What is that called? Choreography? Choreography, yeah. Yeah. You get that down for the the shoes if they get paired up together because that's kind yeah. of the hard part. That's the th I mean, choreography has never really been a big part of my deal. Like, there's there's certain shoes that you don't build fast, and there's sho certain shoes you want to knock out as quickly as possible. Um, and I think just knowing how to build each shoe, you kind of know like, wow, I'm not going to rush this shoe, but I know I'm going to have to get through this one pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I just I don't think I'm the guy that's gonna sit there and build a stack of every go and like you know do 10 runs of each pairing you know that's probably 140 shoes uh, it's just uh, it hasn't it hasn't been my goal this time so I've been if I can build the shoes between so I figure you got 10 heats each shoe 20 heats per pair of shoes if you can build each shoe, under 10 heats, then you're doing good. You're going to get done no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, and if one's a 13 heat shoe, you just hope they draw, a, you know, an eight heat shoe or a seven heat shoe to go along with that shoe. If you've yeah. got two 13 heat shoes, then, you know, you just got to know you got to be on the money. So maybe if, if you don't mind, could you break down Spruce Meadows, like how the competition rolls? for the people that might not be knowing like you know i'm sure you know like the plan at least of like what happens each day yeah so like each day. it's a long week i think uh two so we i fly out how monday days is it total it's uh tuesday through sunday okay yeah it's like five so, days right well six really six yeah um, six days so it's long i fly out monday and I get there, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be badass. Um, so we fly out Monday. <laughs> Tuesday, I think, it, like, registrations from 8 to 10. And then get a little walk around. This is the grounds. This is whatnot. Then uh, 
go to the practice. A practice goes till probably five, I'd say. Um, I imagine they'll have all ten forges rolling, and there'll be people busting out shoes. Um, it'll probably be a big ego thing for a bunch of people. And then I noticed that the first day is like a practice. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a good thing because like some some of the guys haven't worked with American Steel. Uh, it, it's going to be really handy for a lot of guys. Um, you know, it's it's. I'm probably not going to make too many shoes. Just kind of maybe build up some lactic acid and get the body working. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but not going to be, be too much figuring out. Traveling for a long time, so like they will have like not forged in a couple of days. Kind of nice yep. to shake off the. Yeah, the guys coming from Australia and stuff like that, they're going to want to, you know, move some... I think they're going up to Ian Ritchie's anyway, but so they shouldn't be too too fatigued. Um, but there is a big thing to to travel beforehand, you know, sit still for so long. you got to, you got to, your body's got to get used to burning that lactic acid, otherwise you tie up real bad. Um, that's what took, it didn't take me too long to work that out, but it sucks when you don't know. Um, get the arm pump. Yeah, so Tuesday's the practice, um, Wednesday's shoe in the foot um, specimen front, um, so it's got the fully fluid Massalot toe clip uh, on the foot, and then the Roadster fully fluid, um, I believe it's a grass style Roadster because it doesn't have a like a Roadster to it. Um, That's what I was so kind of wondering. It's, I don't... I don't know if that's I think, like. I think it's an Alex Collier. I think Alex Collier made that specimen. It's either Alex or um, Gary Darlow. Okay. Um, okay. What I've heard, I don't know. Um, You're probably right. I just remember I've seen Alex making that shoe a couple of years ago or so. Yeah, it could have been around for the last. Well, it's been around for the yeah. last five years, so he's probably. Is, it isn't toe-clipped, is it? It's uh, Quarter-clipped. So it's a grass shoe. Like, it's yeah. full of through the toe. So it's it's kind of like that that cross between that horse is going to be pulling a wagon through a dirt road, not really through a cobblestone street. Mm-hmm. So that's just, I think, the origin of that shoe. Not that I know anything about it. But, um, so then Thursday is the speed forging, I believe. Um, so they've got the 20-minute two pieces weld them make a drop shoe thing's crazy um, yeah. 20 minutes to out of two pieces and you you get a you get a striker you do yeah thankfully okay. oh that's Otherwise good it just be me having fun <laughs> <laughs> um no you do get a striker but uh that's kind of those funny things like you, you always hear the impossible what's what's impossible you know what i mean and then you see some cool shit down at like um I'll throw it back to the Edgewood. They were like, we were doing, I think, uh, cork and wedge. Uh, no, we we're doing uh, straight bars in yep. Edgewood. Um, mm-hmm. And we had, I think we had 12 minutes to start. Um, yep. We knocked it down, knocked it down. I think we the last round before we went into the finals was nine minutes. And you're like, holy crap, nine minute plane stamp, toe clip. You know, like, you know, where, where you guys at? Um, and then Craig's like, yeah, we're going to do a draft foot <laughs> for the finals. And I'm like, okay. Did you, have to, did you cut a half inch by inch and a quarter, or how did that go? I dipped well, out before it ended. So it was, it was 
I think Craig is like, yeah, we're going to go back up to 12 minutes because you got to make a draft shoe. Um, so we went up to 12 minutes, and I'm like, that's still not a lot of time to get half inch hot. So I cut inch and a quarter by three eighths because you obviously needed to cover the inch and a quarter, but I thought three eighths was going to heat up quicker. So mm-hmm. we, we made some 12 in, or 12 minute, 23 inches of uh, inch and a quarter by three eighths. That's big. But that was kind of fun. So then I, I kind of thought that and I was like, well, it's only the same amount of weld heats as that shoe. Um, and I just got to follow it and punch it. So time-wise, it's actually, you can make quite a nice shoe. It's that when you actually get to the nitty gritty of it, you can actually make a nice shoe. Really? So you, you, you're not even that worried about getting it done in time. You're like, this is going to be sick. No, it, it, it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. As long can as, you, and it, huh? Can you rasp on that one in that class? It's hammer finish. Oh, it's hammer finish as well. So as long as you weld, you know, you got two weld heats, um, and then you got one to put a clip on it. You know, it's really not that many heats. Um, but obviously every go is going to have to go well for you to be happy. Um, it's just like one of those things that you got to, you know, hopefully your weld sticks. Yeah. Um, I'm not <laughs> going to give too many secrets away because it's a, there's a lot of money on the line, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah seventy got five grand. That'd be sweet. I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a, there, there is a there is a good amount of time. Isn't it Canadian? Yeah, it's fifty five American. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, still, oh, it is. Is a good, it's a good chunk. Yeah, yeah. Pays for that citizenship if you get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Um, but no, so like then the Friday is the hind feet, so plain stamp, mazelot, toe clip. Um, Craig was freaking badass legend to just tell us that we're going to put three quarter or fully fullers on the front and plain stamps on the hind. So that knocked down practice by half. So that was sweet. Um, so we do, we do know that. And then that's obviously got the, the deep seated fully or three quarter fuller, um, hammer finished bar shoe. Um, that's just a sweet little shoe. Definitely, definitely an over, overlooked, tricky shoe. So if you had your choice out of the, um, the pool of shoes, which ones would you like to have picked? Kind of putting you on the spot there. Um, Hard to answer because you're like, do I jinx myself? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, I would, I would love that Dutch shoe and that square toe. Give me that one, please. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> no. <laughs> Hopefully, I jinxed myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember, like that French hind square toe thing's kind of like it's a cool shoe, but it's, it's just not something that you're like you can build like in your subconscious. Like you, you already have this like French toe shoe, French hind bur- image burned into your head, and it's like hard to make your head like. No, now you're gonna do this weird thing. Well, if you <laughs> if you ask Grant Moon, they've been setting shoes back since the 1800s. So, um, that's a sitting son of a bitch. Like you could set that back off a front foot. Yeah. Like that some bitch is <laughs> going back. It's wide. That it ain't no AFA rocker. 
or uh, <laughs> AFA square toe. No. That's, no, that's a hard yeah. one to get. It's hard to get them really wide like that. Yeah, and like it's it's probably made out of uh, metric steel because it's French. Um, so you get a little bit of wiggle room with the inch and a quarter that we have, which is really nice. Um, but again, it's like, shoot, how do you build this thing out of that stock? But I mean, like the Dutch shoes, fine. The that's a one one of the weird things I didn't know that was happening is we don't have a schedule program for that pool of six shoots. Like we find out thirty minutes before the first go who's going in the first go, and then every five minutes before the class finishes the next round, just finds out when they're going. So everyone's oh. going to be sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting all day to find yep. out which go they're in. Yeah. So no one's got a no one's got like a they can't bugger off and go down the road and build shoes. Like they have to be sitting there waiting to go, yep. which is probably the best way to run it. Fairness. I was kind of looking at... He's not a silly man. As I'm kind of looking at the list, I can see which ones you probably would want on here, actually. Since there's a left front bevel. (laughs) and (laughs) Left front bevel would be nice, and the Italian's (laughs) a pretty sweet shoe. The plane stamp's a really nice shoe, the Massalot toe clip. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can tell that was made out of metric stock, because... Yeah. Um, the guys building that shoe will know that in America. Uh, and then what else we got? The square toe, the bevel, the shoot. Oh, there's a caulk and wedge concave. Yeah. The concave shoe. That's a nice shoe. It's one of those things. It's like, is I don't, I don't want to jinx anyone, but like, is it going to be, two really tough shoes together is it going to be an easy shoe or a lighter shoe like that's one of those things i'd rather it just be two two nice shoes and roll on you know what i mean are mm-hmm. they just gonna pull the shoes from a hat like or is someone gonna choose them i have no idea me either remember like always being at like afa convention or whatever and like top of a conversation would always be like "Ooh, what shoe do you think they're going to pick in the specialty class because there's always a pool yeah. you know and that was always the the buzz beforehand how do they how do they do it at afa do they pull it from a hat or do they just choose to they tell you at the uh the bank like the initial team meeting i think They'd be like these how are the shoes it's going to be yeah but how do they choose like, That's a good like, question it's a good question because you well they have like, to you could pull it from a hat and like, well, just make sure all the shoes that are in the pool could go together. Yeah. Like, all well, they, all, they all could go together. Yeah. So I think that'd probably be, like, oh, this wasn't a good pull. We have to repull one. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope somebody just picks out two nice shoes to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fair to pull it out of a hat, but I don't care if somebody just picks two nice shoes and we roll on. I don't know if it's going to be like the AFA where they keep the duds that didn't get pulled and they go next year. Um, I don't know how it's going to be. So that's one of those things. It's also like, you know, I have no idea. This, this... I, would, I would think it would be that way. I would think he'd keep the shoes and keep them as specimens for the pools. And just because, like, that builds on it for later. You know what I mean? That says, like, we can do this again next year. It's like getting specimen shoes isn't real easy. 
No, but I guess if you're getting them from everywhere around the world, it's probably not as not as hard. Yeah. yeah. But you probably have a lot of people wanting to send them in that you're like, well, this one's going to go in the... Tr-. Like, I'm not saying this is what it does, but like, we don't I, want this one. I bet, you Craig, <laughs> I bet you Craig got a bunch of shoes that he he uh, welded into shoe balls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably. So you've been doing a bunch of judging this year, it seems like. Yeah. And yeah. I remember talking to you earlier in the year and you were saying that you were going to try to do that where you kept your specimens. Yeah, I talked to a bunch of people about like, uh, uh, just like my freaking energy saver just turned on. Um, anyway, so they, uh, they kind of advised me not against it. It's one of those things. Like I, I sat in two different seats and I was like, you know, like I spend, uh, you know, like an hour on every shoe. So if you do a stupid shoeless and you don't do a few pairs and you do this, you're making, you know, you've got 10, 20 hours in a shoe list if you're not careful. And then you're like, then I just give it away and somebody spends 60 bucks on it. Like, yeah. I know that everyone's like, wow, that's so good. We got 60 bucks for it. You know, like. It took me a long time to make those. That was a sweet shoe. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, just because it was a plain stamp doesn't mean it's not worth, you know, it's just one of those. It's a tough one. Like, I, I had four to judge this year, and I'm like, oof. Um, and it's also like going through your mind, like, you want to support the association and stuff by donating yeah. that and yeah. and they're paying for me to go there and do all that stuff it's it's one of those things of it's giving back and then like like i think hot augusta i think they raised enough money just out of my shoes to pay me so then okay. i'm like well that's cool because it didn't really like take anything away from the contest and then hopefully they can get a better judge next year yeah um but that's one of those things that you're just like, how, like, what is fair? You know what I mean? You got some associations that have sixty grand in the bank, and you're like, what's my time worth to you? And then you got some associations that are just starting up. Like I think Swofer that I just judged, I donated my time and my specimens that I didn't really make because it was a spruce warm up, and I didn't feel like. It's one of those things of like you go to a warm up contest and they give you a specimen. You're like, well, it looks like nothing like the specimen. So, is it a much of a warm up? You know what I mean? I see what you're or saying. Or do you just judge the contest of how it would be judged on the day? Like, here's your picture. Judge it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like my interpretation. My every shoe I make is still going to be an interpretation of what I think a shoe is. So it's like, how far do you go with making specimens? for like my next contest is going to be an AFA warm-up um and MIFA so do I sit there and make every single specimen I'm going to judge off of or do I let them judge off or do I let them just build the shoes but then they don't get the money for my shoes so then I probably will just make a cool auction item and hopefully somebody bucks up some good money for that you know it's it's hard too because like it is the I always think the most underrated shoes in the whole auctions any auction are always like the novice shoes or something yeah they, go for twenty like bucks cheap 
And it's a shoe that the guy's not going to make and have in circulation real often. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it, a guy like you isn't going to be like, if someone asks you to make him a shoe, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to make you a sweet plane stamp. Yeah. Like, you're going to make him something a little bit more. So it's like, you get this, like, prime specimen for $20 that's built to the, like, basics and still, and, like, really good. I think that's, like, the most, like, giving back to the trade there is because that usually goes to... A novice dude, guy. The dude in the novice. That, like, that needs he, it. Yeah, it's a good guideline, you know what I mean? And like, I think I made, you know, you go to the demos and stuff like that and everyone's ask you, oh, can I keep that, you know, hockey stick you made? It's like, yeah, yeah. freaking drill a hole in it and nail it to your wall. Like, keep that bitch forever. Because mm -hmm. like, there's going to be so many people that look at that thing and go, wow, I never thought about doing that. You know, it's like, there's so many simple things that you miss on the basics, I reckon. Oh, it's huge. No, I think... It, it is a thing, but I, it's also something like you don't think of it when you first get asked to judge, like your first couple of contests. You don't even think about the specimen part until you're like in the middle of it. You're like, this is a lot of work. It's a lot of work making all these shoes. And like what what goes through your head when you're trying to just make a shoe list? Say you're not doing a warm-up. Say you're doing a shoe list that's all yours. How do you try to put that list together? Well, some... Uh, <laughs> That's a funny story. Um, it, it's one of those things, like I got asked to do a bunch of contests in con quick concession. Um, and like I had three contests, like boom, boom, boom. And I was like, oh, okay. Like this is like, this is my first year judging. You know what I mean? I got four contests to judge. I'm like, holy shit, like popular man. Like it sucks <laughs> to be me. Um, but, you know, it's obviously a freaking honor to be able to judge all these contests. But uh, it's also like, holy crap, well, what do I give these guys? So, like, Hot Augusta was a cool one because that was all my own shoes. And I spent a bunch of time making all those shoes. Uh, I think the first one I did was in Louisiana. Um, I made all those shoes. And then uh, the Swofer one, that was a, a warm-up contest. So... It was kind of one of those things of like, all right, I have to make, well, shoot, I didn't even have to make novice. They had a separate judge. So this is a, like, I want to do a shout out here. This was a badass contest that was super under supported. I don't know if it was, um, go to your extension. Sorry. I want to get my computer charged so it doesn't die um, while we're mid podcast. Um, so they have a super, super cool. Uh, contest here in Chicago um, it's like one of those things of they had 60 horses there available um, so we did I did I was it was honestly it was just going to be a miniature spruce like you had uh, we had every go available so we had two goes at every day uh, you could have done every single go for a warm up it was awesome there's 60 horses available it's uh I don't know. It's in a massive pavilion with fans blowing down. It was a it was a nice nice facility. It was just one of those things. Like it was August, it was hot. Um, I don't think too many people knew about it. Um, I was wondering and, if the name Hot Augusta lived up to the name. Well, Hot Augusta was yeah. This one was Swofer in Cincinnati, um, but the Hot Augusta was hot. Yeah, it looked hot. hot like I was sweating just walking around. I, I was like, man, this. This is fun. 
<laughs> they they did a good job of fans and stuff to though. Have Sixty horses available. Yeah, literally. Usually like, people are like, we got four. Yeah. We got four here. <laughs> it's at it's at uh, one of the. All four doesn't even show up. Like, one of them stands like a mutt. Um, yeah. I hope that gray horse never comes back to the, uh, Fort Worth. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> Some of the horses at contests are like, I know it's hard to get horses, but it's like, this is no fun. There's no way I would pay, I would get paid to shoot this horse. Like, I would, I'd fire this client. Like, it's, no it's, it's tough. It's real tough. But this, so this is a college that has 60 horses on site and you can shoot at any one of them. Um, and they're all just like I think 60 of the owned by the college and there's more horses that are privately owned and so we just rolled in we could pick any horses uh, you know we did oh it's just freaking sweet but that's definitely going to be one on my radar next year um, that's the one I donated my time back to so next year hopefully they can get the judge for Spruce to judge that and it'll be a super super cool warm up uh, so there'll be Swerfer, South Southwestern Ferries Association of Ohio. I don't know the abbreviation, but yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, Hot Augusta was hot. It was good. It was nice though. It was good. Is is it pretty hot at home for you right now? Oh man, this last week. I mean, it. It's hard to say because, like you know, New Mexico and Texas boys are going to be like. Oh, it's it's hot as you know. It's 114 down here, and it's like that's hot. You know what I mean? And it, like <laughs> it, it was like in the mid 90s, high 90s here with a real feel over 100 and like 60 percent humidity. It's just, that's hot to anyone. I don't care who you are. Oh yeah, but do, do you guys get any snow? Do you guys get any snow there in Kentucky? Yeah, we will have like pretty measly amount. Like we'll have probably. Uh, maybe a foot on average cumulatively a year. And then do you guys ever get any in New Zealand? Uh, I think, like, we'll go droughts for, like, a couple years where my parents live. Um, obviously, in the mountains, you know, where I'm, I grew up 20 minutes from the ocean, an hour from the slopes. So the mountains get a bunch, and then we're too close to sea level, so it doesn't, it's hard for the snow to get down that far. Right. Um, so we might snow like every once or two, like every once every two years might be a good snow. Uh, yeah. But like normally just frost in the morning is pretty all that we get there. But that's just where your parents live, right? Because there is like there's huge ski resorts there. Oh yeah, yeah, and this I mean you got the Southern Alps running through the whole bottom of the South Island, um, and they just always snow on them through the winter. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, got blankets of it. That was like one of my biggest disappointments I didn't do. I don't know about disappointments, but I wish I would have gone in high school. Because you could you could be a snowboard instructor here during the winter and then go spend summer in New Zealand. Yeah. Keep doing it. Like, they're yeah. always looking for American yeah, instructors. Always Americans up on the slopes doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was like a pretty common deal. Yeah, and then a lot of Kiwis go over to Whistler or America to do their lot. Um, so, uh, you're back. You're back. Did we lose him? He's there. He's there. Um, um, I can, st- I can see it. I see it. 
So you so said like, you said earlier that you only trimmed like seven horses. Is that is that is that pretty common? Or are you like was it just a light week? Uh no, I did seven sets on Monday. Um, it was seven sets, three half, and a couple trims. But uh, so last week or this past week, this is gone. We were in Canada five weeks ago, so it was one of those things of it was an empty week, and I just left it empty. Yeah. Um, I probably could have drug a couple in from this week. Um, coming, I think I got twelve or thirteen sets to do Wednesday, um, but sometimes like I just would rather just leave them at five and just do a big week. It was kind of nice having a week off, especially because it was so bloody hot this past week. Um, now everyone always asks me, they're like, "Man, you're like always gone. Like, how do you run a full book? Like, you must have financial help or something." I'm like, "Yeah, that would be nice." Like. Uh, that's one of those cool things like I can like my parents did a lot for me when I was like you know growing up and like I think the last time they sent me money is when I first started my apprenticeship at the school in New Zealand and that's the last time I uh, just you know I haven't haven't had a single dime given to me since then which is kind of one of those cool things like um, so I normally shoot I think I don't I don't know how many on my books but I probably have 200 to 250 on my book, so pretty good paying clients, you know what I mean? Like, and I normally, I normally, I don't know, I can say that I've lived in this house that I just brought. Um, I think I've been in it for two weekends since uh, middle of June, for two full weekends since I've been here. (laughs) That's not a whole lot. That's not a whole lot. So, like, uh, I normally work four days a week because every Friday I'm normally gone somewhere. Um, and then every now and then I'll have a light week and every every week that I'm working, is, it's it's pretty busy. Um, How far away from Dillon are you? Uh, I'm eight hours. Oh, so it's a flight then? Well, I drove last time. Oh, you did? Yeah. I see. Yeah. Flights are a pain in the ass. I, I, I fly anything over eight hours, but I'll fly to, I'll drive to Dylan's and I'll drive to Carl's because it's like around, like Carl's is seven hours and 15 and Dylan's like eight hours. Um, and that's one of those things like I will spend just as much time flying as I would driving. It's true. You got to be there before and then the time getting in there and it's just not worth it. You don't you you don't save any time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I I fly enough that I've got gold, so I got seventy pound bags, which is nice now. Um, so I don't have to wait, wait worry too much about weight. Um, that's a super big thing. Oh, I might have lost old Riley. Riley? Yeah, I think his uh, Wi-Fi was starting to go bad yeah. on us but that's right you also um, you uh you also went up to there to canada for that draft shooting contest how was that yeah, five five weeks ago this week yeah uh it, it was good you know what i mean like we kind of knew what we were up against going over there um mm-hmm. it, it was 
it was a good deal. I think uh, we kind of we put we put the work down the way we wanted to put down on the ground. You know, every now and then you'd you'd say you could always do something better. Um, of course, but it it was it was one of those things of like. It, it was it was interesting. We won't go too far into it. <laughs> we have had you, fun. Yeah. Do you do any draft horses like in your everyday book? I don't have. I have one trim. One trim. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of like Most, the shoeings and stuff is kind of like for practice or anything like that that you've done draft wise. Uh it's one of those things of finding a good draft horse. Like I. I tried to find a draft horse for weeks before my team come in to practice before we went up there because it was one of those cool things that uh, my sister come over to visit me and uh, it was the same weekend that we were meant to be practicing and then the next week we were heading out to the contest. So all the guys were like, oh, we'll come to your place, we'll practice, we'll shoot a draft horse and we'll head up there all tuned up and you get to spend some time with your sister while she come all the way over there. Just a bad mm-hmm. timing. Um, so we uh, we tried to practice up before we left, and I tried to get a hold of a draft horse. I had six people willing to bring a horse. Uh, ended up not panning out every single one of them. Everyone's like, oh, I got trailer problems, I got truck problems, I got this, I got that. And I'm like, draft okay. people are just the weirdest people. Like, yeah. they just, I don't know. They're always like, oh, I can't find a fairy that wants to, like, put up with my stupid ass. But uh, it is what it is. Horse and, yeah. Because a lot of times they don't well, behave very well. and Yeah. I think horses, it's one of those things. I heard this thing on the radio the other day. If you want to have a, you know, like if you want to rescue a horse, that's now on you. You know what I mean? It's not It's not anyone else's fault that a horse is stupid. It's It's on you. You wanted a stupid horse. So I think, I don't think any, anytime you can blame a horse on, being bad, it's on on the owner. I don't think it's anything to do with the horse. I agree. Yeah, just devote more time into you don't training think... it. <clears throat> Can you guys yeah. hear yeah. me? All right. So I don't know what happened there. I just caught the tail end of that, but you don't think there's just pile of shit horses out there? Well, yeah, but shoot them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, the... I've seen some fucking straight mean <laughs> bastards. They like, I don't care how much like. The training is putting lead between their eyes yeah. because there's something not ticking out there. I, I, this, but it's okay. on the person. That's okay. it's, you know what I mean. That's the that's the horse owner's responsibility to work out whether it's dog food or it's you know gonna get shoes today. Yeah, <laughs> people are too nice now. They're like, yeah, he's a dick, but mm-hmm. what do you? Yeah, he kicked do? the last guy three times, yeah, and you know, like <laughs> he just you know got a taste for blood. Hard pill to swallow, dude. I. I I called the Humane Society for my first time last yeah. week on a, on a lady, and the horse, I shot the horse, three, or trimmed the horse three times. Uh, horse is just skinny. It's just skin and yep. bones. And, like, it was getting skinnier as I was doing it. Like, the very first time I did it, horse was skinny, feet haven't been touched in a year. Trimmed it, looked in its mouth, you know, teeth are growing forward. Like, he's totally locked up. You can't, no gliding at all. Like, there's no plate there. And I called the Humane Society, and she's like, and she called, of course, like, the husband and her called me, like, a million times after the Humane Society show up. And they're like, I can't believe you're saying they were abusing the horse. And it's like, they don't even see it. Yeah. Like, people are so, so lost. Like, they don't see 
that letting that horse be mean is abuse, and they don't see that, like, they're like, I, he's here, he has a home, we don't go kick him in. Well, you know what's funny, like, uh, you talk about animal abuse, but, like, how many horses have you seen die from being skinny? Oh, a few. Yeah. How many horses have you seen die from being fat? So Way more. Way Way more. So many. Way more. I I fire them, I I, I lose them quite a bit, because, like, we have very, very rich grass. Mm -hmm. Like, our grass grows very well here, and so that means founder happens very easy here. And it's like, you'll never be on the winning end of the battle with the lady that's loving her horse. No, kill kill them with kindness. She loves that horse way more than any knowledge. Yeah. I had a client that I said, I said, your horse is fat. She said, oh my gosh, you can't say that. I'm like, why not? It's fat. And she's, I'm like, what are you feeding this horse? And she's like, well, a scoop morning and night. I'm like, a scoop of what? And she's like, sweet (laughs) feet. What do you think? And it's on a five-acre pasture by itself. You know, the thing looks like... And he a, gets a couple flakes about Oh, about yeah, it. only the best for full fluffy. And then she's wondering yeah. why it's a little walking a little tender. And I'm like, you need to put this horse on a dry lot, and it needs to starve off about 300 pounds. And then... And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, all upset that I'm calling her horse fat. And I'm like, okay, your horse is going to die in three weeks if you don't do this. Like... Uh, you want me to say that I, I've got pictures on my phone for the last last week a lady texted me and said her horse died and I was like that's what she said I said hey is your horse still here I'm like looking to show it you know what I mean and she's like she's dead laminitis <laughs> dot 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 and I'm like oh shit the, la- the lamb yeah. got her the I'm like the wow and this is a this is a healthy horse you know what I mean and just laminitis freaking got her good you know and it's sad because you know you like shooting horses but then you get some horses that just put up with all this crap for so long and then you're just like well how do i help it i'm like it's done you could have helped it years ago yeah people aren't very good at giving tough love to their animals or even somewhat of a like a thought process no. like i think that's the biggest these difference people feed them so much that's man. the difference like, between they, new zealand and, and america is uh like i would have never have worked on so many projects as i have i call them projects because it's either going to work or it's not um and like lexington has got enough like money and resources where they're like oh my horse has got degenerative navicular disease it's gonna dissolve and you know it's it's not gonna have a navicular bone in a couple of years but i'm gonna keep it around until it's so miserable that i have to put it down and it's like in new zealand that thing would be ground up it's it's crazy it's it's funny here i think we just haven't we also maybe have enough people that that population exists yeah. here like it might exist a little bit there in new zealand but it's so Very small. small we're like the population we have here or the group of people that we have here that will shoot that horse and not use him is that population shoots their own horses. Yeah, yeah. you don't see that. They're, they're, cow, they're, they're cowboys. Yeah. We, aren't, we aren't touching those horses and there's no money in those horses here for us. No. Really. Like, like, yeah, it'd be great to shoot a bunch of like somewhat good-footed horses that you knew as soon as the problem came up, they just get rid of them and get another one. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun though because I like I work for the University of Kentucky, and they literally test like metabolic horses, you know, horses that 
arrogant of the founder. It's not when, like, like it's not if, it's like when. And like, yeah. I just lost one the other day that I told them to put down six months ago. And like, it's one of those things of like, it's not really my job to say, you need to put this horse down. But also, they respect me enough to be like, all right, this horse is done. And I was like, hey, you need to put this horse down. Like, it's not going to come back. And so we struggled on that one because apparently it walked up sound to the vet that day. So they didn't put it down. Six months later, it's still living on Butte or Equiox. And, you know, they finally walks up and they're like, I'm like, this is the last time I'm showing this horse. It needs to be put down. You know, it had 18 degrees and 24 degrees of rotation. And you're like, wow. Like, that's a lot. Like, that's just that's just a lot. And I just, I knew in that environment, it was never going to come full circle. They're, they're going to put it into another test and it's going to rotate again. And then your the horse can't get up. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things. But it got put down and now it's happy. And do you, do you kind of hit the point where you're like, I feel like I'm involved with something dirty at this point and I don't want to be? You know, like... It's, it's like you're keeping it alive a little bit. That's, you know, like, I felt... And everybody always likes to say, like, well, if I don't do it, someone else will. It's like... Yeah. yeah I mean, like, it's, at some stage, it's like, man, it's a, it's a paycheck in a way. You're like... And it's a learning curve. So sell it, so sell it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. So I, I know working there that I'm going to be dealing with multiple founded horses every day. Every horse I shoe there is founded. Wow. It's it's yeah. not like I shoe a good footed horse there. Every single horse I shoe there has founded. So, um, do you enjoy working on the projects? So. I think uh, a lot of it's investment. So these horses are worth nothing. They're, they're donated to the, the university. They, they research on them. They give them fescue grass. They inject sugar into them. They spike them. They do all these different tests. Uh, you know, they did hemp oil studies. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this, but like, you know, they do all these things to test products on them and all these different things and they die it's it's one of those things that like it's just it's a reoccurring thing like i think For we've science, lost though essentially five or yeah five or six horses this year just on uh strangulating lipoma i think the name is uh which is a colic where the, the horse dies it's yeah just, it's not going to get rescued yeah. um in that situation but uh, so it's it's not the case that I feel like that it's gonna it's an investment because later on in my life I'm gonna get a high level jump horse or a high level uh, anything horse that comes in with laminitis and I'm gonna walk in there and know how to fix it. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and, and you you don't have like you can fuck up these horses at the college. Like, like, you know, I'm not saying you're, you are or not, but you're like, okay, this didn't yeah. work. And it, it wasn't when your name was on the line and something, a, a, a bigger bloodline on the line or a bigger horse's name yeah. on the line. Not to say that these horses are worth nothing because, like, monetarily wise. Well, I like, it's, it's hard not to care for every horse we shoe for because we love animals and blah, blah, blah. 
like it's it's sad like I, I I say it with deep like like remorse like this horse needs put down and you're looking at it, petting its head you're like fuck I know I'm not the guy pulling the trigger but I just yeah. told them that this horse needs to die and you're like yeah. man that sucks but the nicest thing to do for that horse is that and like it's hard to understand as a person that like we are animal managers yeah. And a part of that is deciding when they are no longer, it's good, not good for them. Well, we see them every five to six weeks. A vet might see them every six to one year. So, yeah. like, we are, we are literally the leading professional that sees them the most frequently. Mm-hmm. So it's really our job to supervise and, in a know, way. We're creating a relationship with that horse, whether we like to think that or not, you know, just by being around it. Yeah, and, like, the WCB guys come out. I think Dylan and Troy, and we were showing some uh, founded horses at that uh, place, and they're like, like, <laughs> I'm like, this. Troy's probably never even seen a founded <laughs> horse. Like, he lives in cowboy country. They're like, no, we, we don't feed them enough to get a no, belly. No. Like, that, that doesn't happen around here. They're eating sand. Yeah, yeah sand colics, <laughs> I don't think it kills them around there. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's funny because, you know, you're rockering back to the second now and you're doing straight 45 degree rockers like and just nipping through soul and like doing some some interesting stuff and it's funny because like I've got a pretty good knack to what not to do on a certain type of foot during a certain stage of its laminitis but one of those biggest things like I was talking to a few people the other day it's like unsupported hoof wall dies like if you don't give it a job it dies um just like quarters uh toe like if you set back a toe you come mm-hmm. back it's all shoveled up it's all infected with you know white line anything like that it dies like quarters die um like if you put a reverse shoe on a foot it's weird it, everything in front of that shit dies so you like i just rock a toe everything i just savagely rock a toe and I give it something to grow. Yeah, it's it's, like the it's that it's that uh, f- the f- the ground force reaction coming back to the you know, coronary band, like it thrives on it. Yeah, it really does. That's a good that's a good little cue there. So it's like, do you have in your head of like what you're gonna do right when a horse founders? The best thing to do is to give it inf- uh, anti-inflammatories. Uh, and keep the heat down. Like the inflammation's really the worst thing for that. Um, and I've gone back and forth on the whole wedge thing. Like I'm like, man, if you wedge a foot, you're you're increasing oh. the, the shear force by fucking four times. You know what I mean? It's it's you know you just you're just creating a freaking shear. Um, but if you rock it back on the heels, you load a part of the foot that doesn't have so much lamina. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 a lot of different. I you haven't I like, haven't figured that out yet. Take that up with kind of like with the confirmation that this horse has that probably where, where it would help versus where it wouldn't. If you'd make that decision. Well, why does a horse want to rock back? That's Just why. I, the, yeah. So. So in my instance, am I noticing crap? when you wedge a horse it's really hard for it to rock back so it gets its feet. 
I know. So it's it's I, I can't answer that in a way because I, I've always been the one to to trim back them heels and put a flat shoe on them, and then you know like after the acute stage, then you start wedging them back up and you start trying to connect that bone to the dorsal wall. Um, but when you drop them down, you have to make sure you bring back the breakover. It's just the same as like a high foot. You know, everyone everyone wants to be a hero and drop the high foot um but they don't realize the the length of breakover they just put in front of the center of rotation yeah yeah no it makes the makes it super long like it's it lengthens that foot out quite a quite bit, quite a bit. so that's the, that's the hard thing of like still still short that you, you you can't have leverage on a on a laminated course yeah. So that's just like right away. That's what you're going to try to do is reduce inflammation, heat, and leverage. Yeah. Well, the the like when when do you know you can start moving? Like, are there some cues they're telling you, or is it coming down to X-rays? Normally, you'll see a horse come sound after like a week or two. Um, so normally, the next time you come back, you can start changing things up. As long as they're not hobbling around lame, like they're still acute. Um, then they're just uncomfortable. Yeah. So you, you can, you can, it's hard to say when, but like you can notice, you can definitely tell. Now, how often are you going out to the university then? Is it like once a week type thing or just once every cycle? I think I shoot more, well, every now and then one dies um, and then I get another one. So it, it's really just a reoccurring like, 15 horses there so it's it's like I normally just do five every time I go and mm-hmm. three weeks and they're kind of one of those people that don't really care when they get done so they'll get pushed to they should be done every four to five weeks but they they don't really notice it when they get pushed to seven because you're out of town so then like my race horses that like need to be done You'll they get kind of the priority yeah yeah. Like I had a I had a horse. I shot him three days before he went to Saratoga. He won a mile and three quarter race up there for two I think it was no, this one was hundred and fifty thousand or something up there. Um and like it's funny because I didn't know the horse was as good as it was. Uh like he's won <laughs> five hundred thousand easy this year. Um he about set a lap record on Keeneland track. He was off by 0.2 of a second um, for the mile and three quarter. He won 250 grand that day. So I didn't know how good of a horse he was. I was just kind of like showing him like he was a normal horse. Um, but he, he's the big horse, they call him. And uh, I was heading, I can't remember where I was going. I was either going up to Michigan or somewhere. But I was like, they're like, oh, is he good to run? He's at like five weeks. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he's good. You know what I mean? Oh, Just run him. And he, he's got great feet. Like he's pretty he's pretty healthy footed. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't say that on a shitty footed one. Um, but he holds together real one. And he won that race on like four to five weeks shoeing cycle. Um, it was more of winter. Like it was coming out of fall or something when they ran those uh, in March, I think it was. Uh, and I was like, you know, just run them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, that was kind of funny. 
you didn't really know what was at, at stake for telling him that. No, I didn't really. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> but, I suppose they probably yeah. didn't cut I didn't think I was going to be a Michigan. track shower. Oh, no, yeah. I haven't got crap for that. <laughs> Just 250 bucks. Fuckers. <laughs> yeah. So you like that shooting was at 1%? Not even that. Well, it's funny. I never thought I was going to be a racehorse shower because, you know, everyone talks about racehorses, you know, they suck and all this and blah, blah, blah. But, and I, I shoe every Monday, I go into a yard, I shoe five to six head. Um, and then I go and shoot saddle horses after that. I don't start till nine. Uh, most horses are ran by nine. They're all done their jobs. There's nothing worse than shooting a racehorse that hasn't done anything that day yet. Oh, nothing yeah. worse. But it's like if you shoe one that's like just come off the track, they've dried off from the wash, come in, he just stands there with his head down, he he knows what he's doing. You just knock around thirty five minutes, two hundred and fifty bucks and you roll on. It's kind of a it's kind of a nice thing. So do you gotta kinda got know s- some of the yeah. rules is like the toe grabs and stuff like that? Or they just kind of uh, tell you what they need. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I'll ask them if they're on grass. I just put XTs on. Uh, Kirka XTs. Queens, or I don't know what they are, but they're just XTs. Um, which I think is like two and a half mil toe grab, which I think should be legal on anything. There's fucking nothing. I don't agree with regular toes or anything like that. That's just stupid. But when you're, like, my nail heads sit just as far out of the shoe as the toe grab on the XTs. So I'm like, oh, like, what's the, what's the difference? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm nailing up with mustard uh, hammerhead ones on all my shoes. Um, and they sit in there pretty nice. They don't slop around. They're never loose at the end of the cycle. And I think they give a horse a little bit extra, like, Trash. rim. Um, which I, I, don't, I don't think it ever hurts anything. At least it's not in the center of the toe, you know what I mean? It's not dropping them back on the heels or anything on hard ground. Like, it's pretty centralized to the foot. Um, nah, I don't really get in trouble with too many rules. Every now and then I'll be like, oh, I got a horse running next week on the grass. Can you grind its toe grabs off? And I'm like, sure, I'll <laughs> grind your toe grabs off. Why don't you grind the toe grabs off? Like, but <laughs> it didn't take two minutes. And it's funny, you take a battery angle grinder to a foot and just yeah it's throwing sparks everywhere and these horses just don't care they're just so used to dumb stuff like that it's kind of funny it's far out <laughs> far yeah. out I'd have some but it, it is it, shit. well that's funny because like and so it's it's a it's a funny thing like i'm about to like jump in a hole like i use a buffer every day on a drill and uh Anyone, anyone in the world can come ride with me if they have a problem with that and come see the quality of foot that I deal with every day. Um, and my only arguing factor to this is rough sawn timber versus finished timber. You leave two boards out side by side in the weather, that rough sawn is going to be rotten way quicker than the finished timber because the, the finish and the the, that just it just it's slick. It, nothing holds to it as much. It's not porous. So I think the water sheds off the duck's back a little quicker when the the finish is super smooth. It's a good way of looking at it. I but, hadn't thought of that before. 
But I, 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 I want to say this too, but I, I only use it very, 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 very lightly. Like it's a quick buzz, just back in one, one scoop around, that's it. And it's a yeah. very quick movement. It's not hollowing out the foot like I see so many honkies use it. God, I can't, <laughs> I can't stand it. But I, I have yeah. seen, I have seen worse. I have not, not saying worse effects, but I have seen a lot of people ruin a good foot with a file because they're trying to clean up the foot, and it's just like, God, Why? like, I'm taking off micro, micro bits, and I, I, I use a. I use a hundred grit sandpaper. I take it to the heel of my anvil. I take off any high spots of the sandpaper, and I use it for as long as I can. So after the first second horse, it's really going down to like 150 grit, and then so on and so forth. So like my last like 10 horses I use with it, it's so like smooth. It's like using a rag. Um, almost. Even the first <laughs> yeah. few, really. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. You're, you're you're burnishing more than you are. Sanding. I'm not removing anything, really. I'm not. I'm not trying yeah, to remove anything. It's a burnishing. Yeah. Tool yeah. Point. It's not. The only thing I have a problem with there and there is you grinding on your damn anvil. Like, <laughs> just why are you doing? <laughs> like, what? What did your poor anvil ever do to what? you? And you're like, I'm gonna grind. Like, ah, fuck the seal. <laughs> you can just get. It was funny because I was like, get something else. Get a little scrap steel. <laughs> one day I was like, man, like. I, I noticed the first horse I used a fresh thing and I was like fuck that scratched in that real bad like it I did not like that it's I like people that use when you can see the lines people use down, the 60 like, grit on feet I'm like <laughs> yeah that's why well I grab some rocks I man like, yeah I had a I have a client that shows Morgans and she has this one Morgan that she like shows like she deals with some Morgan shows with him but she also does some dressage with him like he's yeah. huge He's a big, warm, bloody-looking Morgan, and well, he has very thin feet. And they, they would, they would bathe him like six times a day, you know. And like, they're like, "Well, we're buffing his feet like twice an event." And it's like, okay, yeah, like this is going like that's why his feet are so thin. Yeah. Like every time I came back, my my feet looked like just like I, they're like holograms. yeah, yeah, like the whole entire thing. It was like, why are these flaring on me? I'm like this. I swear this foot's getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because she was just grinding it away the whole... She was showing almost every weekend Ugh. and just... Yeah, that's, ba- that's painful. That, baby. That's, like, that's, that's where you need a freaking block, you know what I mean? Just just get a sanding block and just dust it up. But, so, like, one thing I'd tell her, like, I don't know if they're black feet or what feet they are. Like, were they or black feet? Oh, yeah. Because I, I always tell people with, like, the showing horses that want to, like, oil their feet... I say just uh, take a sand block and then put some super glue on it and then dust that back and forth. Yeah. Something. That's, I, I, I thankfully I just got her to get a beanie system. She only has three sides and it's like amazing when you make them do actual manual labor how it doesn't go as far. Yeah. yeah. Like, it hasn't been a <laughs> Yeah. But it's funny because you say that, like you had a Morgan horse that should have beautiful health walls. I shoot track horses that I could show you like tomorrow I'll go shoot six of them and I could send you every single picture of them and they wouldn't look like that and that's just the thing of the tool like if you use a tool properly and appropriately it's it's good if you use it like yep. a freaking uneducated anyway. swine then it is what it is 
Oh, it's con man, the hoof knives and it's probably the most dangerous thing in the whole entire freaking box. Like people want to bitch about a buffy. It's like, yeah, okay, you can bitch a little bit of it. It's like put that hoof knife away and we probably all be doing a little bit better. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So help us all out. At Spruce then all the feet are not sanded on, what do you reckon about that? Like since you just said you'd like to sand feet, what's your opinion on being able not to sand them then? Would you prefer Well, I guess I'm lazy. Um, so rather than like taking the time to get a nice finish on every foot, like I think like as much as we like to say Ross sort of came a long way, like I feel like when you've you've used the rasp on ten to fifteen sets, they're scratchy now and they're leaving heavy marks. So like, okay, I'm gonna take a brand new file up there. I'm gonna buff it a few times. It's gonna it's probably never touched a foot before. I'm gonna file. Hopefully, what, six feet while I'm up there? Um, probably have a new file on every day, you know what I mean? It, it's it's different, you know what I mean? Like, I can get a really nice finish with a, a good file for a few feet, and then they start scratching, don't they? So it, it's one of those things, or it has to be really, really dull that it doesn't do anything. So it, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think every day, like... I probably take off less hoof wool with my quick little sandpaper than I do trying to get a nice finish out of my shitty file that's not working yep. anymore. Yeah, just trying to get rid of a line. Yeah, and it keeps you from going through a bunch of files. Like, if you're trying to keep a nice enough rasp to have a nice finish every day, it's going to be way more expensive than that worn-out 100 grit drum. Well, yeah, like I, I probably don't replace my drum, but every two or three weeks, um, I have to like repump it up three times before I get rid of it, um, and my my gun don't really leak. But it's one of those things like uh, I I like a sharp rasp, like I push a sharp rasp every day. Like I probably go through two rasps a week. Um, I don't think you can get flat as easy with a, with a file that you're, you know, you're pushing, you know, a, a file should cut. And then like, I don't dress down a lot of feet because I, I don't, I don't, I don't like dressing down where the, the nails come out because I believe it's thinning the clinch. Like you're, it's just not leaving you enough room. So I normally don't dress down. I uh, would say I don't necessarily dress down to my shoe but I try and fit all of the hoof wool. Um, so rather than neglecting to fit the foot, I just fit whatever's there and slowly the foot will come back into shape. Um, so I'm never normally fitting and dressing down to a bunch of shoe. Uh, that's one of those things that I struggle with competing is that I like a slow process. I believe I learned that recently uh, that leaving hoof wool is a lot better than taking it because it's just never, it never you never get anywhere faster by just stripping hoof wool away. It just turns to an ugly process. So I'd rather just trim a foot from the bottom, fit it up, however ugly it is, try and make it a little bit prettier with my shape of my shoe maybe, and then just dress down and kind of dorsal, I don't know if it's doming it or whatnot. Like doming, yeah. Um, but like, I'd, I'd rather a hoof wall that's round because I've come back to way too many feet that I've dressed down nice and straight that have a 
dish at the bottom of it from where I stripped it. Yeah. So I'd just rather dumb it, it hard. a little bit. It, it is hard because, like, a contest, it needs to look good that, that day. day. Right there at the end of it. And, like, that was a hard, like, everybody, like, when I was on that little, the, in, you know, the fucking P&W team, we, everybody else's foot, they're like, man, you got to start rasping above your nails. Because I did the same thing. It was like, because in my everyday, we have such wet, shitty feet. It's like, I'm not, uh, this is, this is precious. Up yeah. Here. Yeah. Like, and where I have nails driven, I would like for this to be the thickest. Yeah. Like, and have a strong part for this to hold on to. But it doesn't look great that day. That's something you're that getting after yeah. me about, yeah. Rasping feet in submission. Yeah, because, like, it was at first I'm like, why are you guys rasping above the nails? And, like, well, when all the three rest of the guys are doing it, like, the odd guy out, you got to start rasping. It's tough. Like, and that- <laughs> that's the way it goes. And it's better for the contest. It is. It's like, you're going to get scored better because, like, in the basics of horseshoeing, it's straight hook ball. Straight hook ball. And that's, that's the weird thing. Like, I, I don't think, like... That's that's where the hard line of like contest showing and everyday showing. It's like I think if you like so for example, I had a pretty kind of an upright type style draft foot, which is kind of weird. You don't really see them too much, but up in Canada, and you know I trimmed the outside down. Like I I got rid of it. And then I left, like, the same thing I talked about earlier. Like, that medial heel was pushed forward, toe was way out there, lateral heel, like, late quarter and, like, low heel. You know what I mean? It just it just changed the sh- Two different yeah. feet. So, like, but then you, it was balanced. It was balanced to the force. And it stood on the ground, and the heel line was straight. And then, it, and then I, like, Jim and Mark went around it a bunch of times. And they obviously didn't hate it because they gave me a decent score. Um, but it obviously took a little bit of like, huh. But that trim set me up for, I fit the foot, like, I mean, uh, I could have been longer, said Judge, um, which I don't disagree. I probably did exactly what I wanted to do, but I just needed to do more for them, um, which is super fine. I just didn't have enough steel. Yeah. Um, but, but when you looked at my shoe on the foot, you're like, man, that's kind of ugly you know what I mean like you had to look further it made you like you didn't pick it up I bet we're like oh sweet you're like okay yeah like if you look at my master lot job from freaking Scotland last year like I mean I don't know if I've done a nicer looking job ever like it was just a I mean a nice pumpkin type freaking draft foot just beautiful and then I go up there and I I'm like oh I'm gonna shoe this horse real nice um and fit it and shoe it and nail it and it just doesn't look pleasing you're like huh so should I have just trimmed it and that's where I've, I've learned as a competitor like sometimes you don't have to worry about balance as long as it's flat and on plane you know what I mean and like it pleasing to the eye it's always going to score better that's why I always hate going to a contest and getting a dud foot you're like I could do a really good job on this and, and st- I would still not like it because it's just not a pretty looking foot. Take, just like, how can you, how can you, it. yeah, how, well, it's like walking up to your, you know, your cousin got hit by a truck. You're like, wow, you used to be really nice looking, but now you're, you know, <laughs> not really. Not so much no more. 
Luck of the draw, <laughs> my friends. Sucks. <laughs> you, either, you either get hit by the truck or you yeah. <laughs> but it's just one of those things. Like, I, I, I think you can do a good job on an ugly foot. I'm just saying that yeah. it's hard to like the ugly foot. Yeah. You have to talk yourself into it. Yeah. Like as a like as someone looking at it, like you have to like look further at why it was done. That and you way. have to choose. Hard, like, you have to choose. What what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go for ideal or maybe more beautification, or are you gonna go for? It's, that's 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 the biggest. I don't know yet. No, and it's 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 like in a way, it's not like it's oh, it's un, not real horseshoeing. That's real horseshoeing. Yeah. Anybody's gonna. That's how it's gonna happen every day. Is like if anybody was gonna shoe that horse, they would have to decide which trail they're gonna go down. That's that's why I think cyclops have become the the biggest uh, the biggest cover of anything because you can slap a cyclop on and make it look any different way you want. They all look. They the all same. look the same. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, they all, they're not even going to question it. Cause that's what and it's I side clip a lot. Just... Like, I, I, like, you could go out of my trailer and I got all side clips. I don't have any toe clips. I put toe clips on, but I grind the side clips off because I don't put enough toe clips on to justify. But that's because I live in a, in a, in a, a tricky area where they have money and they have, these trainers and all this crap and I sometimes I wish I didn't live in such a high-end kind of realm that people weren't so stuck in their goddamn way that let me just do what I do like I shoe for backyard barrel races with toe clips handmade concave just I roll in do my job toe clips up all the way and I I fit my side clips the same way I fit them like they have a toe clip It, it changes nothing uh, the only thing I do on majority of my cyclops is I do rock of the toe because I do think when that toe is getting pushed forward by the clips if you just put a rocker on there it just it just takes away that that squeeze in a way it takes it away wanting to get pinched it yeah like, it's it's one of those necessary evils really and in my in my business right now like I was talking to Jake Engler He's like, I got tired of getting fired from Barnes, so I put him on. I'm like, yep. I've had to eat for the last, you know, like three years since I've been here. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I still think it's pretty, pretty cool. Like, I'm not, you know, batting, patting my own back because I can't reach my back, you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, uh, I say, I, I've been here for three years and I brought a house and I have a shoeing practice and all that stuff like it's one of those things like i challenge anyone to go into a new area and start a game and you know see see how fast you can do it or you know see that's a that's a pretty good challenge for horseshoers i think if you could make a business in a certain amount of time any tips that you would have for somebody to do that for Oh shit! Um, <laughs> don't do it. Don't move twice in five years. I tell you that. Um, that was tough. No, it, it was. It was. It's. It's one of those things. So, like, I guess I had a pretty good run of it. I lived with my mother-in-law for fucking too long. Nah, she was good. But uh, <laughs> three years. Um, 
and I finally got out of there to get this house, you know what I mean? But like the process of me coming over here, I had to have a paper trail. I wasn't even on my, uh, I wasn't even on the freaking, uh, what's that called? The credit trail, whatever. I, w- oh. I didn't even have a credit score. So when I first moved over here, like I couldn't do anything. Like I didn't even have a, I had just got a social security after I got my green card. Like I, I wasn't even like a, I was an alien. Now I'm still considered a resident alien. How about that? <laughs> so like, it's one of those things. Like I, I went the hard way around. Like my wife had to put her credit score on my truck. You know, when you walk into a place, you got 30 grand cash and they're like, yeah, but your wife's going to be the buyer of this truck. You just got the money. And you're like, how does that work? You know what I mean? But like, so like I had to learn a few different ways. So like, shoot, if I was anyone, I would make sure that I have a lot of friends. I think like I met people and uh, in the area, they had like Carlos Goni. He, he gave me more work. Uh, Matt uh, Savage up in Ohio I helped him when he had a sore back Uh, poor bug has always got a sore back but that's part of the trade Um, so I like I I help people and new people and people help you know like they're busy they're going to turn work to you so like I think that's the biggest thing like a lot of people like to burn bridges I don't like to burn bridges I like to keep everything open uh, but I, th- I think everyone always thinks they've got to do it by themselves. And I'm not saying that, like, you can't. I'm just saying, like, why? Like, like that 200 and f- the horses I'm going to shoe tomorrow, Carlos gave me that account because he was shooing them. He was only shooing five for the guy. Uh, and then he said, I'm not coming up to you. Here's, here's my buddy Stan. I've been shooing them for over a year and a half. Probably coming up to maybe year and, yeah, anyway, say a year and a half. Um, now I shoot 23 horses he's got. So that's one of those things of like situational, but like don't don't burn bridges. I think that's the stupidest thing. To, like, like, yeah. We were saying like getting help. There's a difference between like having somebody do it for you and getting help. And I don't think it's like, like you're saying like, oh, you don't have to do it all yourself. But it's like, you don't, like if you get help, that doesn't mean that someone did it all for you. You got handed it. No. It's like, you accepted the help, but you had to do something on you because you could have lost those horses just as fast. As well, that's the thing. Like I've I've been like you go on Facebook Marketplace or Facebook and you advertise. Hey, like I did that for for a while, like three months of sorting through absolute dog crap horses. Like and you're like, and I was charging enough to get away from like the killers, um, mm-hmm. thankfully. But like you're still working for people that like you don't want to work for very long but like you're like man i gotta eat like i i have to have money and that's the one of those hard things that like some younger guys like i was a journeyman coming over here and doing that i couldn't imagine starting to starting to run straight out of shoeing school or something like that i think that's the stupidest thing you could ever do like it's such a terrible thing like you're gonna burn your name in that area quick like quick no one's ever gonna look at you the same I'm gonna yep. hear your name and be like, mm, That's a, nah, not be forced to move. You you were saying like, oh, challenge somebody to move to a new area. I like as I say, like sometimes it might be better to move yeah. to a new area. Yeah, hundred percent. Be somewhere, be be shitty, drive some bad nails. Yeah, and then move to where you move to a good horse area that can support a business. Oh yeah, and 
and you're a new guy that has already made your fuck up. Yeah, I think it's the best thing you do. Like, uh, Americans are funny. Like, not like too funny, but like funny. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's not too many too many people that move out of state, let alone out of county. Uh, county. Like, in yeah. in my area, at least, like. I think my whole wife's family's within 20 minutes of each other. Like, it's crazy. Um, and obviously, you're talking to me that's moved country, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it, it's it's funny because, like, they're like, oh, I don't want to move. And it's like, well, you're shooting for 100 bucks. Like, maybe you should move. Like, you... And then and then there's people that, like... Come back and visit. <laughs> yeah, like, shoot, man. Like, you, you could... You could drive home every weekend and be making twice as much money, but then there's then there's a reality of it. Everyone thinks they're going to move into Lexington and have a four hundred thousand dollar business doing five hundred dollars a set, and then they realize that there's only five percent of the horses in Lexington that are doing that. Yeah. And every ninety five percent of the rest of the horses are not like that. It's just, you know, they might be higher in or paying more than some guy and you know it's a desert but like that's just different I don't know no it is it's like you see it all the time or you see these guys asking how they can make more money or what they can do and it's like you either have to be okay with living your simple life and not making money and being close to that family or that area you yep. want to be in or you have to move yeah it's like it's like I want to be a marine biologist living in the middle of Iowa Good luck. Yeah. It ain't gonna work. Just no. Yeah. Man, like it doesn't work at all. I I'm happy. So I move. I live two and a half hours away, about from where I grew up. A, I grew up not being a great horse owner. Like I was that kid whipping on my horse when he wasn't doing something good. People don't forget that. Like and then B, I came right out of shoeing school and stayed there for a little bit. I am very happy that I moved and nobody around here. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I, I like rambling a little bit too. I would like to. I, I'm okay with moving again. I'd move out of state pretty tomorrow. Like I'm okay. With so that's that. one of those things. Like I, uh, I probably moved into a pretty good location too. Like I'm right in between Cincinnati and Lexington, so I shoe fifty percent in Lexington, fifty percent in Cincinnati. I probably have twenty percent of my customers south of Cincinnati, so closer to my house. Um, so I probably move. I probably have more work north than Lexington now, which is funny. But like that's how diabolical Lexington is. Like you got people trying to eat down there. You know what I mean? You got say one person tries to find a a good farrier. You know how long it takes to weed through ten farriers? It would take like close to five years. Yeah, to find somebody. Like to to find a. You know what I mean? And you got these all these car salesmen. Oh, I know how to shoe horses. I've been shooting for 15 years. And I bet you that guy that's been shooting for 15 years still looking for work hasn't shot for a single person over five years. It's they just bounce around. And, and that's fine. Like, whew, it's fine, but fuck that. Yeah, it's crazy that they don't realize, like, that's the issue yeah. and should just go seek help to get better and, like, maintain those relationships with those horses and people. Yeah, and some people just suck at business. Um, I I would say I'm a I'm a lavish liver. I live high on the hog. 
um, <laughs> maybe more than more than I should. Um, my wife's a little bit better than I am. She's a little bit uh, more frugal, which is ob- obviously odd uh, for a lot of people. Um, but if I want something, I'm going to go buy it. But I, I know that, like, I'm just like, shoot, i got to go shoot three horses for this? Okay, cool. I'm going to go do that tomorrow. Yeah, um, that's how I live my life. It's also. one of those things. <laughs> that's another very good way to do no no it get you in a bind man because all of a sudden there's no tomorrow i know yeah all of a sudden there's no tomorrow but you still need money like there's like that's that's how i was a long time or a while ago and now i now i make sure to like it's one of those things like i think yeah a lot of people get themselves in binds like i don't know horseshoers are great at feast and fame (laughs) where they're like no big deal i'll make it another yeah Another day might not. That's the thing. Like I've I've started to realize. Like I'm I'm only 26 now, but I'm like, oh, retirement's not as far away as it was when I was 16. I'm like, I gotta start planning towards that future because that future is inevitable. And I'm a bigger guy. Like I can shoe, like I'll shoe. I don't really like shooting any more than. I, I well, I always say I don't like shooting more than five or six, and I'll do nine. Um, <laughs> And like I'll do, I think I do 12 or 13 Wednesday. Um, and that's just so I can have Tuesday off. Like I'm going to go to Spicos and shoot. I'll do four goes on Tuesday, hopefully. Oh, yeah. You know I was, was going to ask you. Jason Hill. So how far away do you live from the Spicos yeah. then? Like 20 minute drive uh, or something? I think I just, like 35. Yeah, so pretty close. Yeah. So you got so, to stay in your own bed. Yeah. We, yeah, no, that's, uh, we did it for the Winter Classic, yeah. Yep. So it's funny because we're going to a warm blood facility up in Canada. So I was like, hey, buddy, remember when I was on your shoeing team? Uh, can I come down and uh, pull a couple of nags out of the stable and shoe them? He's like, yeah. So it's good to have relationships like that where he's like, yeah, you can strike for me, I'll strike for you. And, you know, you do three goes a day and... You know, you're shoeing horses that you'll probably be shoeing up there. Hell, he's like, well, we got we got one horse that'll be there. He's like, hasn't oh. been on this farm for three months because it's been touring the circuit, but it's the Spico's horse that's doing, you know, the World Series or whatever. Uh, it'll be oh, up there competing, though, not shoeing it. Well, Stan? So, like, the horses, you're, they're shoeing at the competition? Are they competitors' horses? No, no. Horses but, like, oh, it's... Okay. No, that's not a good idea. <laughs> but no, they'll, they'll just. Be, I think they'll be local horses and whatnot. But when you're in that okay. facility, you're going to be dealing with warm bloods and thoroughbred. Like you're going to be dealing with jumpers. You're not going to be dealing with fucking roping horses or yeah. pulling horses from the salt mines. You know what I mean? That's just not what we're going to be dealing with up there. Yeah. But that's no, cool. I was just making, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no. I, I'd say I'd say most of the jobs up there is going to be probably better than most of the jobs that will walk in there, but they definitely won't be cyclops. <laughs> Sorry, no, cyclamps. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> I guess it'll be cyclops on the hinds on the last day. Oh, yeah, quarter clips. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Stan, a yeah. question we like to ask people is... We ask about the Mount Rushmore, which is basically four the people Mount that Rushmore. you hold in high regard, and uh, 
give a lot of respect to to get you where you are in your career. Oh, who would those four you know, people it, be? You reckon? Everyone always asks. You know, everyone always says, "Well, I didn't really prepare for that question, even though we knew it was coming." Um, first and foremost, my father would have to be number one. Like, without him, I wouldn't be here. You know, he's one of the hardest workers I know. It still makes me feel bad for myself. Like, no, looking back and knowing how hard he worked when I was growing up, just to, you know, like, let us go and play rugby on the weekend and go ride horses. Like, he just, he, a trooper, just a trooper. Um, so I, I would say he's my number one on the route, Mount Rushmore. Um, shoot. Has your dad got you know, to come like, visit you over here in the States? Well, that's a funny story. Yeah, well, not a funny story, but I'll tell you a story because we've already been talking for, holy shit, almost two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> and uh, so my dad came over when I was like three months away from graduating insurance school, I think, um, long, long time ago. He's meant to be have come over since then, but obviously life's just crazy, and then COVID. Uh, so you oh, still yeah. have to be a vaccinated traveler to get into America, so that's stopping him from coming back over. But uh, one cool story about my father, and this is why he's on, on my list, is that he, uh, when I went to Stonely on the Australasia Ferrier team in 2019, he uh, surprised me in England when we were over there. He flew, you know, 37 just hours up. just to say, he called me, he was in England. He said, hey, where are you at? I was like, well, I'm in fucking Harrogate, like in England, you know? He's like, no, where are you at? And I'm like, well, I'm at the Forge in Harrogate. He said, what's the address? And I'm like, why do you need to know the address? Like, <laughs> there's no, no, absolute no reason for you to know the address. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm in London. I'm driving up there. Where are you? So I sent him the address, and he came and watched me for a couple of days, shooting horses, and he flew home. So that was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Oh yeah, that That's was awesome. a pretty cool thing. Uh, so, shoot, uh, definitely Austin Edens and Spud Allison. They're fucking high up there, you know, just because they're judging me in a couple of days. Get some them brownies. Some brownie points yeah. there. Oh. That's a that's a. <sighs> he is a bad mama jamma though. Like I think I've always looked up to Austin. I have because he was my he was the uh, first judge. Um, he was the he was the judge of my first contest. You know what I mean? He gave me lots of helpful hints back then. I think that was like I can't remember how many years ago now, but yeah, Austin is you know he was young when he did everything he did, kind of like what I've tried to do, you know what I mean? Um, that's definitely inspirational there. Um, oh, shoot. I don't know. It's, it's hard to separate people, you know what I mean? When you got so many people in your life that's molded you. Like, I've got people from two different countries that have, like, you know, shaped me to the person that I am, whether that's good or bad. Um. Oh. Should put the Jeopardy. I'd like to say come back to it. Theme song. Yeah. I know that now. I lived with a 93 year old for three years. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can know that one. Um, oh. Oh. Watching lots of Matlock. <laughs> Final Guess Jeopardy and then uh, Wheel of Fortune. My wife, yeah, my now you say that. my my wife is really an inspiration. Like she's she's gone through so much, whether it's it's schooling or you know like even just like her house. You know that's pushed her a long long ways. You know like uh, we've gone through a lot there. Uh, but she she's, she's really what drives. Well, she did she did good there. Um, <laughs> I brought a house in the car, so we're even. But no, so she's she's got she's driven us me a log. She's the one that like makes me go back out into the forge if I come back all fed up, mad. Well, that one was shit. I'm done. It's you know eleven at night, and you're like, I'm just done. She's like, no, go back out there and make another one. Make something that you're gonna be happy with. Otherwise, you're just gonna be mad. Like they say, never go to sleep angry, and that's probably a good thing not to do. So back when I used to, you know do that um oh, my mother would be up there too your no, wife shoots horses no. with you There's, or no hell no i, I thought <laughs> no. i seen uh no. you had her out clinching with you one day or something like that yeah yeah she she uh she's pulled a few shoes off and she's clinched a couple of her own horses yeah but uh it, it's not really efficient when it takes 45 minutes to clench a foot. No. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she could do it. She just hasn't done it enough. I, I, don't, really, I don't really want her to be a fairy anyway. Like, I don't really... Yeah. I like soft hands. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, my mother would be high up there too. She, she's very passionate and driven and focused on what she's wanted to do ever since I was a kid. You know, she raised me with good morals and, you know, always strive to to be a perfectionist. She's always done everything to the higher level rather than what she has to do. She always done more than what she has to do. That's like a good a good thing to focus on, I think. Um, oh fuck. What are we at? Three there. Uh, no, it's four. There we go. Yeah, We're good. We got four. Yeah, it's all four. Your dad, Austin. My wife. Uh, you, pay, wife. you pay Austin in front of your wife and mom, so there's that. Well, you know. You to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make up for, you know, missing a toe here and there, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Austin will get all rosy cheeked over <laughs> it. <so. laughs> yeah, he was, he's a good dude. I really appreciate him. He let me go down there and forge with him at his shop this year, so that was really cool. That's yeah, that's saying something. He doesn't like to be around people yeah. that much. Yeah, so. it's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's saying something. Yeah. No, he's a great yeah. guy. I try to get advice from him all the time and help. He's super, super methodical. Handy. Yeah. He's smarter than most of us. Way smarter. Like he's in a different yeah. 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 That's why he does all the the CAD stuff and the 3D stuff. That's something I always thought about. Like that'd be cool to do when I'm like old and like to have the time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. No, Austin's been doing that forever. He's just smart like that. I'd have to be like broken and like can't do anything else, so I could sit there and like kill myself at a computer. Like that'd be like that'd be worse than me trying to figure out how to build a roadster. 
<laughs> trying to figure out the computer. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard enough just doing podcasts through the computer. I'm not trying to do it. Yeah. I'm just glad I had to click a button. My wife helped me out with that, though. That was good. Yeah, Went smooth. Yeah. Very smooth. Well, Stan, we appreciate you taking all this time, man. I'm, it's pretty late that your place right now. I think it's almost 11 o'clock. So, yeah, 11.30. Man, you got enough time to get out there and make a couple more shoots. Well, it was funny. I was <laughs> practicing, and I looked at the clock, and I'm like, Oh fuck! I gotta go in for a time to go for a no. yeah podcast. podcast. I I didn't even think of it. I was out looking for a bear all day. My friend shot, and so I was literally out in the woods. And I got back at like five, like right at five. And I saw like we were like pulling the house, and I was like, oh, shit, it's <laughs> time to go. I I didn't even look at the clock today. I was like, I've been on my hands and knees going through brush trying to find blood, and then all of a sudden like. Got lucky Come back, got yeah. Back I would. I was like, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, well. If I slept through that, I would have been like, well, there's another day, some other day. <laughs> yeah. Glad we got it to work out. Got you on yeah. here, and uh, good luck at Spruce Meadows. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time, guys. Thanks, man. We appreciate oh, thank you. you. Thanks everybody for listening. All right. Peace out.